All right, hello and welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. Uh, we are here on a Thursday for the first time in a long time, uh, as we haven't played on Thursday in a very long time. Uh, but we're here on a Thursday because we're starting up a new game. We're starting up Die, the role-playing game. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, it is uh, from Rowan Rook and Descartes. If you're familiar with Heart, which we've played on the channel, we've played over on Grim and Perilous as well. Uh, or Spire, same folks uh, have published it. The The game itself uh, dies based on a comic by Kieran Gillen, uh, also called Die. I think it's got the subtitle Fantasy Heartbreaker, which I think a few people in the game have actually read, so that's pretty nice. Uh, but if you're unfamiliar completely with it, it's sort of like, at least the way I've pitched it to other people is like It meets Goonies, like, or Chronicles of Narnia, or like Neverending Story, or whatever kind of you know, kind of tonal juxtaposition, but it's kind of meta in some ways. Like there's very, it's very self-aware that it's a game within a game kind of deal. Uh, but the big thing is like, you're playing sort of two different, mo you're playing adults, but also there's like this, this sort of looking back on your childhood type of thing going on. Uh, so it's uh, and we're going to be doing some of that tonight as well. Uh, so we, uh, tonight, what we're going to do is, this is going to be kind of like a brute, like a combo session, little session zero stuff. If you're familiar with session zero stuff in the game, there's a whole process of an actual book. If you have a copy of the book, there is a system called rituals, which is effectively a session zero, uh, which kind of walks through uh, group creation, persona creation. So we're going to do some of that uh, on the stream. Some of it we've done already uh, to try to make this stuff work a little bit better for our, our time window in a, on a stream. But we've done some of that off uh, in our chat channels and we'll reveal what we've done. And then other things we're going to do here uh, together. And if you are in chat, if you're here, please feel free to uh, help us. Uh, as uh, Melissa has already complained about having to thick on the spot. Uh, so if you want to give her a hand, <laughs> I have. please do so. I'm not even lying about that. That's not even a joke. Well, often, often I lie, really? but then it's not. Uh, so I mentioned how there's sort of two things. There's layers to this game or it's kind of a, a meta game. It's a game that's sort of self-aware. So everyone in the group, myself included, which is why you can see down there, I have a name as opposed to just saying game master or, or some equivalent. I actually have a name. And, and for those of you who are familiar with the channel, you know, that is not my name. Uh, I am a different name. Uh, but we've already kind of started crafting bits and pieces here and there. So everybody, including the traditional GM, we, we get two things. We get a persona and we get a paragon. A persona is effectively, um, within the context of our game, our real world identity, like who we are, like who our characters are. And we're going to be building that throughout like the first half of the stream tonight. We're going to be talking about them. We already have somewhat vague ideas in our head. We're going to go through a series of questions. We're going to talk about how we know each other, how we interacted, all that kind of stuff. Uh, now, the Paragon side of it is more of like the equivalent of what we're familiar with when it comes to like traditional character classes of a role playing game. Right. So uh, there are five character classes, uh, technically six, if you count mine. Uh, each of these Paragons essentially gets control of a specific die. We'll talk about that actually in game as well. Uh, except for Jeremy, who is a fool. Uh, he just gets a D6. Everyone else gets a fancy <laughs> die. I had my big, where's my big dice? I, as the master, get a giant D20 right here. So that's pretty great. Uh, so, so what we do in the game is we're, we're playing as our personas, but our personas at some point are going to embody the paragons, like the character classes itself. So there's that kind of weird kind of uh, meta level. Uh, the personas don't really have stats, uh, but paragons do. And they're the ones that actually have like the traditional abilities and things like that, that you would expect, uh, you know, you expect to see in role-playing games. 
Uh, so if you're watching this uh, either on stream or if you're watching this later uh, on, uh, on VOD, hopefully that, that kind of gives you a, a generic understanding of some of the, the levels that we're talking about here. All right, so we're not gonna do any intros yet because we're not ready to introduce anybody yet. So instead what we're gonna do uh, is we're actually going to start the rituals process. Uh, I'm following some of what's in the book and then I'm tweaking some things and cutting some things to, to sort of fit our needs uh, as everyone should do. Uh, so here's a few things that we know to be true. Like all of us, this is, this is a truth. Everyone knows these things and we're gonna use this as a foundation for us uh, developing our, our group and developing our characters. We uh, were in the same teenage social group. Uh, we played role-playing games together. Like we were a role-playing game group uh, when we were uh, when we were younger. I was the primary game master, which isn't to say that other people didn't do it at some point, but I was the primary one. Uh, we had our own unique sort of sci-fantasy horror world that we played within. It could be inspired by a variety of things, our books, our comics, our, our movies, whatever it might be. We'll, we're going to hash some of that out. Uh, now, years are going to have passed. Some of us maybe have moved away. Some of us maybe stayed around. Some of us kept in touch. Some of us lost touch, whatever it might be. We're going to sort those details out. Uh, but eventually what we're going to do is we're going to come back as adults and we're going to play another role playing game. And that's that's sort of the, the gist of this here. Uh, we have we're, we're basically reuniting uh, reunited is the one of the, the core concepts uh, within die. There are alternative concepts that you can play, but we're going to we're going to go with the, the basic one, uh, which is fairly close to what the comic is. Uh, and so we're, we've all agreed for a, for reasons that we'll hopefully tackle here in a minute to come back together as adults and play another role playing game, despite the fact that we probably haven't done it in a very long time. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's the gist. Everyone on board with all that. OK, Ooh, absolutely. Perfect. Uh, and again, if you are in chat, please throw out ideas. It'd be great. And if you're watching this later on YouTube, you can drop comments in the chat as well, because this is a fluid game. It's ongoing persona creation and generation, world building. All of this is ongoing. It's not just, hey, we're doing it now and we're never going to do it again. Uh, so stuff is going to continue. All right. So let's get started then, shall we? Uh, and again, kind of session zero. -y. So first big question. We've already mentioned how I've already mentioned as a truth, we were all members of the same social group. Uh, we, we played role-playing games together. So here's what I want to know. We can talk this out, chat, ch chime in if you have ideas. How did we kind of get to know one another? How do we get to meet or how did we come together into a group, right? So, you know, some examples, none of these don't, ha these don't have to be the answers, but just to give you an idea of what I'm going for here is like, do we grow up in the same neighborhood? Like, like we live on the same street. Were you members of the same like class or school club? We were all theater kids. Were we all jocks, soccer team, whatever? Uh, did we all have some sort of shared experience? Did we all go to like the same camp, you know, the same summer camp or camp counselors? Were we like breakfast club mm. style stuff? You know, it was, I was about to just... say breakfast club detention. You found the box with the the dice in it. Okay. All right. Is everyone on board that with that? Anyone? Okay. Yeah, Anyone? yeah. I, I like I like the whole detention idea. You know, we we got stuck in detention at some point in our high school years and, and exactly. We found, we found our Jumanji and then, uh, we went crazy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So think about, you don't have to answer now. We'll do this. We'll get to that. This follow-up question later is I'm going to probably want to know, you don't, again, don't answer now why your specific person was sent to the tension that first fateful time all of you met. Okay, so that'll be something we're gonna. So think about that, linger, and then we'll come back to that in a in a, in a minute or two. All right, 
so we are we're the breakfast club this is great okay we're, all right uh has everyone here seen breakfast club by the way <laughs> i saw it in the theater yes. <laughs> <laughs> but i do know okay. it okay Sometimes in my Friday and Saturday groups, I say that and they look at me blankly and they're like, what's the breakfast club? <laughs> we have uh, breakfast every morning. Yes. There's mm-hmm. no club involved. <laughs> okay. Next question. We're all, so we, we were all, we all got in trouble. We all went to detention. We were, we were that's where we met, etc. Okay. Perfect. Uh, okay. The next, next question is what was our school like? So again, some ideas, some examples, it could be just average and forgettable, just like really nothing of interest. It could be a shithole, like a really awful place. Uh, it could be like an expensive private school. It could be like a religious academy. It could be a boarding school that we actually had to go away to. So what are we thinking about when it comes to the school? What do we want? Gray on the inside, just (laughs) a factory. Okay. Mm. Factory of sadness, just like the Cleveland I think. Yeah, public school, but, but a big school, like, you know, a thousand yeah. students in every class, you know, so gotcha. large that there is no way you're even, you know, a small fraction of your class, let alone all of the students in the schools. Mm-hmm. You're just a, you're blips in a sea yeah. of humanity. It's very easy to just kind of get lost as a statistic within that, those numbers. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. you got to, when yeah. you find somebody, when you find a group that you click with, you cling to one another because that's, mm-hmm. you know, you're the floatsim in the sea of, of humanity. I like it. So okay. then we must be from kind of a big area then because like a Cause big I, city. That's, that was literally my high school, by the way. We had 4,000 students in my high school. It was enormous. Mine too. I had a very big one. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Melissa and I talk about this all the time because Melissa was her valedictorian. But uh, Melissa, how many people were in your graduating class? 300 and something 300 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. i was like I top was 30 in my high school and we had like 1200 people in my class i don't know which one's better i don't know which one's better it's okay uh, to come from town. a small class it's fine <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with it at all nothing wrong with it at all okay so we've got we got breakfast club detention shitty school or not shitty school large school easy to get lost and easy to easy to, to just sort of get lost in the sea of people all right, next question, and this is the one I'm already going to kind of put, uh, I'm going to put a little flavor under this one because I have an idea in my mind, and as long as it's okay with everybody, we're going to go with it because part of it is based upon one of my personal memories when I got into role-playing games, which some of you might have heard about before. But one of the questions I was going to talk about is where did we gather the player role-playing games? And there's a bunch of different examples, uh, but I've told a story a couple times here and there about one of the first actual role-playing games I was I was invited to play in uh, was a Vampire the Masquerade game, and I had no idea mm-hmm. it was vamp. I had no idea what Vampire the Masquerade was. I had no idea what it was. I knew like AD and D. I had like Red Book, all that kind of stuff. Never played it. Just sort of made characters, and my buddy and I would like we would we would make characters and we'd use our hero quest stuff, and that's how and we would like battle on that in our own makeup rules. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, I know role playing games. And so I go to a Denny's, uh, not the good Denny's, because every city always has two and one of them's really bad. We went to the bad Denny's and that's where they were playing it. And it was not what I thought it was going to be. It was totally different. And it was, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was fascinating. So if it's OK with you all, I would like to do uh, like either Denny's or a diner. It doesn't have to be like we're not sponsored. It doesn't have to be uh, that. But maybe that's where we kind of gather like a like a late Saturday night or a late Friday night, or we go there after detention. How does yeah. that sound for you all? That sounds fun. Like some sort uh, yeah, of roadside that's... diner, like where they don't get enough people through. So the person who runs it doesn't really care. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. And they don't like clean well enough. 
I love it. I love it. So and us okay. taking up a table does absolutely nothing to their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So not many, not many customers. Do we got a name for this place? Could be like one of those like really kitschy like fifties throwback places. Okay. Some oh, nonsense yeah. like that. Okay. All right. So what we Sh- can pull pop tate if we want. Pop pop tate. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. It's okay. Is that a Canadian thing? Pops. Uh, It's not. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. I'm making Archie comic. I'm making Archie comic uh, references. It's okay. That went completely over my head. It's fine. It's really obscure. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, Mom's Kitchen. Mama Purdy's. Mama Purdy's. (laughs) (laughs) Mama Purdy's a character i've played many times she's one of my favorites uh okay well, i like mom's kitchens do mom's kitchen i do or mom, yeah, mom's, yeah. Kitchen yeah. Good. mom's kitchen okay that's great perfect thank you jen uh all right let's see what else we got um any any other details that we want to call out about that place we know that it's not clean we know there's not many customers it's very easy for us to find a table uh and we know it's a roadside diner we know it's mom's kitchen Anything else that stands out to us? Something, something memorable or something noteworthy about it? it? Doesn't have to be a good thing. Just, just something that, something that separates this roadside diner from a, any other roadside diner. Oh, that makes sense. The it's only, the only roadside diner you can imagine that actually does not make a good banana split. Okay. Somehow, so, somehow, so, she messes up a banana split, which is I don't even know how you do it. I can't, I can't personally imagine mm-hmm. how you do it. It's not a complicated you, process, right? Exactly. So, okay, so we got terrible banana splits. Anything else we got? A jukebox that's music hasn't been updated since the seventies. Jukebox with only seventy, yeah. only like disco and stuff. Only like it just gets never gets ABBA. updated. Oh yes. yeah. Hey, you know yes. what? That's I'm my music. all for that actually. <laughs> right. I love all this. I, I was I thinking wonder, that maybe good. Like there's someone there that's always there. So whether it's mom or mm-hmm. like a, a waitress or like somebody who's always there, um, okay, good, bad, otherwise, kind of a consistent person. Who's that someone? Who do, who do we think? Do we want uh, it to be the mom of the place, or do should we have yeah. it be? Yeah, we could do that. Like, we might even almost joke. Like, does she have a room in the back somewhere? She's <laughs> yeah. always yeah. there. Just a cot. Okay. Okay. And maybe like she kind of has a uh, like a thing where she she likes everyone to like call her like ma or mom or something. Mm-hmm. Like she. Okay. You kind of learn after you've been there for a while that like it's kind of a informal thing for her. That she likes right. to wander around and like everybody, no matter how old they are, whether they're older than her, is still yeah. like, oh, but no, of course, how you doing? being the jerks the high school kids are, I bet there was a rumor that she must have like killed her husband or something like that. <laughs> okay. But I, I think so, the real truth, the real truth should be that her her only son died in Vietnam, but she's never told it. It's good timing. That. Something that like that. Why, yeah. It could be why the jukebox has never been updated, right? Mm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's all his favorite songs. Mm. Oh, so from great. chat. We should pick something that they do do well on the menu. So they don't do banana splits well, but what do they do well? Like loaded nope. French fries or something like that, or mm. okay, gastronomic nightmare. Yeah, it's just fries. yes, absolutely. It's just called the gut buster. <laughs> it's this giant plate. It's like a pizza tray covered in. Sometimes it's fries. Sometimes it's tater tots. 
There's a circle of chili Combo. in the middle, oh, and then God. there's cheese and onions everywhere. Oh, killing me. <laughs> Jalapenos. Uh, Jalapenos. Yeah. When, when it I changes team, sometimes. It depends on what she this. has. Yeah. Extra. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's like her chili. You know, you never you never know what you're gonna get on your loaded fries. But you just ordered gut buster. It but fills it's good. up the center of the table. What content oh, is about to expire at that diner? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what's in there. <laughs> but it's cheap, perfect. it's tasty, and it's the perfect gaming food. Yeah. Yeah. It would, yeah. yeah. For young people. Yes. Uh, okay. So then we've got that. Uh, other things. Um, were there any... I might come back to this question here and there, but were there any people that maybe wanted to be part of our group, but we kicked them out or we didn't let them in or maybe they harassed or something like that. Were any, any, any people that we want to throw out there that might have been on the periphery of this group of ours? For some reason, the weird janitor kept being there. Okay. Yeah. Like he was just there kind of like cleaning while we were trying to play. <laughs> Steven of course says he should be the weird person. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we did the name Steven. Sure, why not? <laughs> Steven was invited to this game, but he said, absolutely not. Yeah. I said, Steven, would you like to play? That's and he awesome. said, absolutely That's not. Awesome. So rude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hurtful. Steven. Hurtful. All right, so Steven. And I'm just going to put underline twice. No one likes him. Okay. <laughs> Completely sure. different. I just want to acknowledge and chat. There was a really good suggestion that we've moved on from, but I just want to throw it out there that mom is actually an old dude that's got an Isle of Mom tattoo. <laughs> oh, God. I appreciate the creativity like that. in that suggestion, <laughs> but I fair. like that we've developed mom in her personality. Changes. Maybe maybe it changes. <laughs> oh, boy, we're spending a lot of time on this place, but uh, maybe it changes. Maybe ownership <laughs> change at some point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, next up, what else have we got? So we've got we've got the weird janitor. We've got Steven, who who was always invited, uh, but always came up with an excuse not to come. How about that? Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair. All right. Always just, invited. Never this time we'd be there, like sometimes we would wait. Or the couple times we let him play, he created such a broken character that he got us all killed and we stopped letting him play <laughs> you can watch yeah. you can come yeah. and watch but you can't play <laughs> yeah yeah he was the dude that was all about pvp or like intentionally griefing other players yeah just... <laughs> okay i like it intentional griefer it's this like is, i uh... can't help it i'm a what's uh what are those they're not half what my character they're... would do mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Is it Kender? Yeah, Okay. All right. So we've got some. We got some periphery people. Uh, we got our place. Uh, I've already sort of mentioned this, but what RPGs did we play? What other games did we play? I mentioned Vampire. Doesn't mean that's the only thing we have to play. We could have played other things as well. Any like I know there's we have we have some RPG aficionados here who uh, who have who have been playing for for. Well, I think we're probably going to set this like high school wise, at least in the 90s. Okay. I think that is probably between our age groups. And so we might be able to either reach back or reach forward. That seems like the best middle ground. Uh, so are there any RPGs off the top of your heads or other games uh, that, that you think that we as a group might have in, made have played together? What about 7th C? Okay. I, how did I know you were going to go there? I... <laughs> 
<laughs> if we're in the 90s, then it would have been Dungeons and Dragons second edition and yeah. the Shadowrun Sega Genesis video game would have come out and the Shadowrun book Ooh. would have also been out around the same time. Okay, so but we played right. like two sessions of the system and we're like, oh, oh yeah, no, that's terrible. Oh, the video game is way better. Oh, I don't yeah, know why exactly. we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. All right. But the uh, the original Twilight 2000, the original. Okay. Ooh. I got a <laughs> burn. Champion Zero. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Champions was good. Or uh, villains and vigilantes. That was a good okay. superhero one back in the day. All right. I like it. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, so I said in the beginning that we all had like kind of a, like for our primary game, we might have played like other games, but we had like a like an ongoing campaign for a while uh, within our own in-game universe. And we need a name for it. So examples, Middle Earth, come watch us on Saturdays as we mm. play Wondering and set in Middle Earth. Uh, <laughs> Narnia, you know, for example, something like that. Um, we need a name for our in-game world slash universe. So if you have one, throw it out, whether it's players or whether it's chat, we'll think about it. Um, there is a rule, by the way, that, uh, well, not rules or rules, but that the master has final say on the world. So, uh, so I'm going to consider this a world detail. So I do have veto power, I think on this one. So at least I'm saying I do. So, uh, I can cheat. Uh, so does anyone have any ideas for what the world might be named, what our world might be called? The walled city. City. All right. All right. All right. All right. Other ideas. Got anything? This one's a, I think this one's a really hard question actually. Yeah. Um, and I'll be so impressed broad. if anybody gets that referenced. Dice. I world. can't help myself. <laughs> recommendation in chat new jersey new jersey, <laughs> <laughs> new jersey. <laughs> that new jersey devil kept being a pain yeah oh god <laughs> newer jersey nice all right um okay upper middle class earth cloud <laughs> kingdom if neon Cinnamon midnight as a recommendation oh, from man. chat Oh yeah, I'm writing them all down from chat. Ooh, yeah, midnight is fun. So a combination of those two midnight downs, it would be pretty cool for like Ooh, the midnight Star. downs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. France because it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's so true, Stephen. No, it does that not is exist. not true. Remember, it ex we, we created we created France. It, yes. we, we created, created France. France. We We're referring to oh our Octon Cthulhu yeah. campaign from several months ago. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where oh. we discovered France. This is, see, this is why, Kipser, uh, I don't I don't do a very good French accent because France has really actually existed very long mm. in my Mais my si tu veux sure. parler en français, tu pourrais. C'est pas si difficile. She's just making stuff up now. <laughs> I know, it just uh, yeah, like I'm gibberish. just saying gibberish. I'm just. Somewhere I'm not mic. saying any actual Check your words. Mic really fast. Just jiggle. Yeah, jiggle is, it, the is it no, no bad, no good sounds? All right. I remember our so, French was usually like skibbity pop pop diddly boop. <laughs> Terraria. Oh, it's like Terraria. All right, I got a bunch of ideas. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll revisit that at some point. Uh, okay. Next question. Do we have any other shared cultural interests or hobbies? Like, was there a particular band that we loved where we were obsessed with a certain movie or anything like that? Um, any, anything along those lines, anything else that we kind of collectively, or at least a few of us within the group were really kind of obsessed with something that wasn't just like a, a quick fad, but like we, we loved it so much for a short period of time. I mean, from that time frame, I, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm assuming Princess Bride is a pretty unifying movie. Sure. Maybe. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 I mean, Princess Bride, I mean, it's 80s. 
but we're i mean we're, i would say middle-ish 90s so i, I still yeah think it's, so it's something it's we might have watched growing up oh yeah yeah we watched it as kids and something okay yeah because it'd be the sort of thing that not everybody was initially into like role-playing but that's kind of like the thing it's like but you like this movie right yeah mm-hmm. okay hackers when did hackers come out as a movie was that like mid 90s yeah oh my yeah, god yeah, hack the yeah. planet oh god hack the planet i'm writing down hackers we do have a neo uh which was one of the character classes evan can't be here tonight unfortunately but he will be coming uh but uh but yeah hackers okay okay i, I see uh, someone brought it up in in chat as well but the grunge era was big in the early 90s now we're speaking oh, yeah. my language now yeah, we're speaking I've... my language all right Seriously. Um, Jeremy knows this. Melissa knows this. I ran things from the flood a couple years back and mm-hmm. it was basically completely themed around Alice in Chains. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dirt. The whole the whole thing was themed that was around fun. that entire album. Uh, okay. I got a couple ideas. Great. That's if you have cool. more, if you have more, throw them in there uh, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, to build that. Uh, again, everything's ongoing. So even if we don't necessarily take it, run with it right this session, we might do it in the future. Okay. Another question. We got two more left. Two more left for social group, and then we'll get into our individual personas. How many years has it been since we left school? Uh, the the game like makes you know five, ten, twenty, but we can make it whatever number we want. But it's it's just I would say let's make it at least a couple of years. Let's make sure that there's been enough distance between teenage years and and mm-hmm. sort of adult years. Anyone anyone want to clean decade? I like decade. a decade. Like that's long ten. enough for everybody's Me had too. time to go to school. Or so not. what? We'll be we'll be. Not quite thirty. Yeah, yeah. we'll be just short of let's, thirty if we do ten years. How about fifteen years? Okay, because just shy of thirty. I mean, I didn't even know anything about life until I was thirty-five. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, I'm okay with fifteen. Are you all okay with fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. Early thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Early thirties. Okay. That, so that gives you in. enough time for the for life to really grind you under its heel and, and <laughs> yeah. you know pee on you as it walks away. That's true. I didn't really die inside until I turned thirty. Yeah. Yeah, once the first number was a three, I knew it was just a long downhill slope, and then it turned into a four, and I was like, "Well, what am I even trying for anymore?" Uh, <laughs> wait till you're on the wait till you're on the backside of fifty. Fours, you're gonna be like four was fantastic. <laughs> That's I a love good three. I was still a baby. I don't remember my forties more than my thirties, though. I will say that. So, oh all right. God, I think I had thing. A, we reunite had... somebody's funeral. Oh, well, that's what I was going to get to next. That was the next Steve question. Died. And Steve died. Is, Steve died. Steve died. Sort of... Steve died. Okay, I'm down. Okay, because that that was going to be another one. So the next question was, why are we having the reunion? Why are we back together? And I was going to throw a couple ideas out. And one of the ideas I had was, you know, the big chill, which is like, mm-hmm. you know people of of an age gathering because their friend died now we don't necessarily have to go suicide the way that they did in big chill uh but we could do something else but we could say oh man are we steven are you okay if we do this are we okay if we just kill you in game you cool with this (laughs) Ifs in chat for steve (laughs) he's okay he seems to be okay with all right so steven died Mm -hmm. Uh, our honorary extra member died okay so steven a sinkhole opened up while he was walking just on the street randomly Okay. And Tragic. Maybe, okay. Yeah. So Stephen died and we're funeral, all that kind of stuff. And maybe we're having like, you know, the reason we're getting together, the reason I was able to kind of group everybody together was like, Hey, you know, in honor of Stephen, like we're going to do one game for Stephen or something like that. Okay. Okay. Works. All right. I like it. I mean, I don't like thinking about Stephen dying, but I do like this idea. Uh, celebratory. So celebratory game. 
are, are awake. Okay, so that is it for for our social group questions that I really want to dig into. So now we're going to start looking into the individual. Uh, Stephen, that's dark, man. <laughs> <laughs> I went way too dark. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So persona development. So this case, we all we all have already done Paragon selection. Now in the game. If you're reading, if you're doing it the way it's, it's as in, you know, as the book rules is written, uh, you do persona first and then eventually you do paragons and, and actually the game has the, the GM or the master sort of divvy out who gets it, but we already kind of talked a lot of this out and we kind of know what people want to play. So we kind of wanted to go that route. So as this is for the player. So as you start going through these questions, think about how on your individual paragon sheets, there are these. Uh, there's this flavor text, right? It talks about what this particular paragon is for, why, why you want to play it, that kind of stuff. Let that inform some of the questions. So it's like, think about mm. why, so like if, as you're building your persona, since we're doing it a little backwards, just remember that your persona ultimately is attracted or is sort of assigned in the fiction, uh, this particular paragon class. And so like, think about what is it about your personality that might have about your persona that might have made that class, that, that Paragon class. So, uh, so attractive or so fitting. Uh, okay. So, and that's just kind of like an ongoing thing. So simple questions for this is everyone's going to answer this one. You will answer it for yourselves. Uh, so at the most basic stereotypical level, how did people think of you when you were at school? So there are a lot of examples in the book. You were an A student, you were a class joker, you were creepy, you were a bully, you were a jock, you were a wallflower, you were some kind of elitist snob, you're a tech head, hard case, something like that. So uh, so how did you all, how were you all viewed? How did how did people think about you? What do we think? Um, Anyone have an answer? Deacon, yeah, Deacon was a theater kid. Okay, theater kid. I like it. Okay, theater kid, perfect. We got Deacon as a theater kid. Anybody else have one off the top here? And, and again, uh, those, those are not... You can pick anything you want. Like, it doesn't have to be those terms. Emery was, uh, like, sturdy, a bit boring in the back, uh, just like a music kid, always listening and strumming on a guitar. Okay, music kid. Okay. I like it. All right. Uh, Jeremy or Melissa? Uh, Sean regrets to remember that he was the kid that wore his letter jacket, like football, track, wrestling, and you're a you know, jock? student council. Jock. You're Emilio Estevez. You're I'm the Emilio Estevez. Estevez. Yes. Okay. Okay. If you're the Emilio Estevez, we should have. That's what we should have made this as. Like, who were you? Were you Emilio Estevez? Oh, yeah. Were you Ali Sheedy? Were you Molly Ringwald? <laughs> <laughs> you were Michael Allen Holt. See, this is this is where you get beyond my knowledge of the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Damn it! Ouch. So close. We were so close. You we were so close. Uh, okay, and then uh, Delilah, Melissa. What is what about Delilah? Uh, so Delilah was kind of the uh, black hoodie goth kind of okay. presentation so baggy um like definitely kind of baggy pants hoodies dark clothes all that okay okay as were a lot of the people uh who were at that denny's uh where i went to play vampire it was pretty great mm -hmm. <laughs> i fit in because i, I was a grinch believe... kid so i wore a lot of i wore a lot of baggy stuff too so it I actually believe vampire was your first one <laughs> that was my first one it was so yeah Shit. it was more oh larp than it was a role-playing game it was yeah. fascinating it's fascinating. It was not what I was expecting. It was fun nonetheless. 
okay. So then follow up. Uh, in what way are you different from that stereotype? So how are you slightly different than that stereotype that you just selected? While we were in school? Yeah. Why this is all this is all younger you. All these questions are about younger you. Uh, yeah. doesn't have to be from that, school, just personality wise. Mm -hmm. So I would say that like it was sort of that don't talk to me kind of a vibe but again like it's a really big school and it's just kind of that like getting through most of the day is really just don't talk to me just kind of let me do my shit kind of a thing but interpersonally she's like pretty creative upbeat really talkative like once you get her talking you can't shut her up um but if you just pass her you wouldn't think that okay so you were you were kind of goth uh, but you were talkative and upbeat when given the opportunity or when you, when people got to know you. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Kind of in a small group. Um, yeah. Perfect. Uh, other ideas. That's oh, Sean, Deacon, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. After you, sir. Um, I think Sean was all about like the camaraderie of doing some with the team. He had absolutely no school spirit. Like there wasn't like the, we've got to go beat, you know, <laughs> uh, this deal. We've got to go beat Elias. And that would be everybody else in the team's like, yeah, fuck them. And he he didn't care. Okay. He I only he really he joined the team just to go to practice, but mm -hmm. he hated going to the actual games because there was okay. no thrill from competition. Fantastic. I love it. Jock with no school spirit. Perfect. Uh Aaron, you got something for Deacon? Yeah, yeah. Deacon didn't ever want to be the lead in any of these productions. He loved physical comedy, stage fighting, you know, he, he channeled Buster Crab and Buster Keaton and he didn't care about being the front guy on the stage at all. He just want, he loved the physicality of certain aspects of the theater. Perfect. I love it. I love that. Yeah. And then, uh, Amory. What do we so think? as much as she was all about noise and sound constantly, uh, when she was out of school, she'd just like take off into nature and have nothing and silence. Okay, silence. That's I like the contrast there. All right. Fantastic. And then again, another question that everyone answers. Uh, what did you love and hate about playing our role-playing games together? Would you love and hate? Could be two different things. Could be the same thing that you both loved and hated. What was I it? I think Deacon. I think Deacon loved having a shared experience with everyone, where they could be whatever they wanted to be. And but what he hated was when other players didn't make the choices for their characters that he thought were the right choices. And he hated watching them do something that he didn't think was right for their characters, but he never said anything about it, but it mm. drove him crazy. Speaking of Steven. No, just <laughs> All right. <laughs> <I got you. laughs> okay. Perfect. Okay. I like it. So love the shared experience, but hated when other PCs made decisions that seemed wrong for their characters in some way. Okay. Right, right. Fantastic. Kind of leads into where we're going with his Paragon. Yeah. Mm. I can. Yeah. That, that fits considering your Paragon class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, Jeremy, did you got something? You got anything? Uh, I think Sean loved the idea that like you could just do anything. Just whatever came off the top of your head. You could just make anything but he 
he kind of hated that he was kind of a one-trick pony. Like he 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 had an archetype that he always played. No matter what system it was, he basically always played the same character. And gotcha. he kind of hated the fact that he knew other people saw that and it kind of made him feel uncomfortable. But he kept doing it anyways. I really liked again, I love that I love like the contradiction, right? You love the creative freedom, but then you opted not to engage with that creative freedom because you kept going and falling back on like what was safe and familiar or what was easy mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. It's great. Love it. Uh, let's see. Delilah, do you have anything? Yeah. So I know for sure that what I hated was the return to real life. So like after the creativity and the imagination and everything that happened during the session, the, oh, right. I'm back to me and life mm-hmm. and all of that was always just heartbreaking for her um and i'm still figuring out like if there's something that she loved other than the opposite of that which was sort of the 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 freedom and the ability to be creative and kind of do whatever in games okay i mean i th- i think it's it's fine i think those two things were the, the space to be creative uh, the creative freedom. And then I think it makes perfect sense together. They, I think they balance off each other pretty well as well. But if you come up with something else, again, persona generation, it's an ongoing process. Uh, Amory. Uh, Amory loved the suboptimal decision and the silent judgment from uh, Deacon. <laughs> uh, lived on that. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> um, and didn't like necessarily stepping into other people's shoes all the time. But okay. I had to learn it. Okay. All oh, these are great. It's a good thing we have this as a video and audio record because there's a lot of good ideas that I am my handwriting is starting to to go. All right. So that is everyone answers. Okay. Now we've got some optional. We don't necessarily have every single person has to answer this. So this is more just like for the next couple. It's just if we think it makes sense for us, let's throw it out there. If if we don't think it makes sense for anybody, then we then we don't worry about it. Uh, so a couple, couple questions. Did anyone have any kind of clingy or intrusive like ex-girlfriends or boyfriends that sometimes disrupted the group? Anything that might have, like they showed up sometimes and it kind of threw everything out of whack. I'm definitely not saying this because I have experienced this in the past. This is not at all a reference to anything. Uh, did anyone have anything like that? I think Deacon for sure did. Because I think... One of the things that I think he got himself thrown into detention because he was doing a staged sword fight through the common area of the school because he was trying to impress this one girl that he'd been fascinated with for years, you know, all the way through uh, junior high school and into high school. And he got the girl. And about two months after them starting dating, he realized how horrible of a human being she really was. And regardless of how many times he tried to break up with her, her answer was, that's not an option for you. You're writing this out through high school because I am not going to get I'm not going to be the person getting dumped in high school. So I think Mm. she always shows up and she's like, let's go. And he's like, we don't date anymore. She's like, oh, we do. And I'm not saying that was my high school girlfriend. I'm not saying that. We're not. We're not pulling on personal experience whatsoever. Do you have a name for that uh, for that girl? Uh, uh, Michelle. Okay. Once again, not a real human being. 
trying to think of Michelle's I've known in the past. None of them have really had, had a strong feeling one over the other. Okay. Uh, anybody else want to throw their hat in the ring for this? It, it knows yeah. a perfect, perfectly fine. You got something? Drunk? They will yeah. honestly read my mind. Well, so Sean like really dug what he was doing with the group. And like, he didn't feel that comfortable talking about it with some of the other jocks. Like his friend Caleb seemed like a pretty cool dude. And he was pretty creative. And he tried to invite his friend Caleb to come once. And that just turned into like Caleb narking on him to some of the other people. And they just completely shit on me. And sometimes <laughs> they would show up by the diner just to bang on the windows and like be dicks. So like other people on the team, like other other people, yeah. like, like other football players or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. There uh, was a dude who memorized Amory's schedule. She never gave him time of day, but he knew where she was. It's definitely okay. not from experience. <laughs> Creepy Ooh, stalkers. Okay. You gotta love them. That, Just to jump in on the party because everybody else is doing something with this one. Um, I'm actually going to go uh, helicopter mom occasionally mm. would stop by. Just Somebody checking in. Just seeing if we needed anything. Like... Did not, she bring like snacks or like we're already at to a diner, a diner where like, food yeah, is diner. there? So good, I love it. Oh man, I I'm just declaring right now. I loved your mom. She was the best. She's the type of mother that everyone loves except for their actual child, because like mm -hmm. the actual child thinks it's really embarrassing, but everyone else is like, "What are you talking about? Your mom is giving us like free snacks like all the time. It's the best." Okay. Uh, all right, so I got helicopter mom. We've got Michelle. Uh, <laughs> I have to laugh at Bert's comment in chat. Yeah. Is that how you optimize a character? Have I taught you nothing? <laughs> helicopter <Yeah>. mom. <laughs> no wonder. Because Deacon got along with her really well, too. Like, that's not yeah. the right choice. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've got that one. Uh, siblings. Uh, anyone have any siblings of note that may have interacted in some way with the group? If they're not, if you don't think there was really an interaction with the group, we don't necessarily have to bring them in. Uh, I know that Billy uh, did have an older brother. I'll get to him later. But Billy did have an older brother who was pretty supportive. So probably didn't play in the game, but probably helped him with like painting miniatures or prepping and stuff like that. But I don't think he ever sat in because he was a few years older. And so it would have been kind of weird for a dude in his 20s maybe to come hang out with a bunch of 16, 17 year olds. That's probably what mm. he thought. So that, that that's for Billy. Uh, anybody else? Okay. I'm going to say uh, a quite a bit younger sister who would come with mom when mom mm, came to bring goodies. Sister was too young to stay at home. So then she would come and um, pick kid. up the minis with her sticky nice. fingers. Maybe every now and then we would give her a random NPC mm -hmm. that she could sort of. Mm -hmm. Nice. Do we have a name for your sister? Uh, I know that's a, that's a dangerous question to ask <laughs> Melissa on the spot. Do you have a name for this? <laughs> Three weeks later. Like, I know, waiting research. for I the lag for chat the to catch uh, up. <laughs> Tina? Tina? My brain just goes the song and her name was Veronica. Uh, I heard Tina first, so Tina it is. There you go. Okay. Uh, and then, Amory, what about the dude, the stalker dude? Do you have a name for him? <laughs> that these people are going to come back. Uh, we'll just we'll just call him, uh, we'll just call him a, a Mike because there's a lot of those. Sure. Yeah. Too many, as far as I'm concerned. My <laughs> my brother-in-law's name is Mike. Mike, Matt. Mike, Matt. Uh... 
Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, anyone, we already kind of covered this a little bit with, with Delilah when it comes to anyone have any particularly supportive or nurturing, or I literally use the term helicopter parent in the question and you've mm -hmm. already hit on that. If anybody else wants to jump in on that, just call it out. You could also do the opposite side of that, particularly unsupportive, abusive, or absentee. I want to jump in with Billy as well. I think Billy didn't have, he had parents, but they weren't great parents. They were parents that didn't, they were absentee not necessarily physically abusive, but they were kind of absentee. It didn't really take interest in his life. And Ronnie, his older brother, was sort of that touchstone. I also like to think that Billy was was much younger than the rest of his family, like his siblings. Like they, they had him very mm. late, and so they were much older parents by the time. And so like they were kind of... So there's that that big gap, and Ronnie kind of filled that in for him. So that's where I'm going with, uh, with, with Billy. Uh, but anyone else have... Yeah, go ahead, Deacon. I think Deacon's parents were, were basically old ex-hippies, and they were the exact opposite of helicopter parents. They were essentially like, if he comes back at least two or three times a week, he's going to be okay. You know, Basically, I taught you how to cook when you were five, when you were tall enough to get to the top of the stove. You're basically on your own at this point. Uh, okay. So his development was completely based on his own social interactions with people his own age and his teachers because his parents mm. had almost nothing to do with him i mean they liked him and they'd hang out but there was no structure at all to his life aaron weren't your parents uh <laughs> they were they were. <laughs> this is me <laughs> yeah <laughs> which seems and so then what did deacon think about delilah's mom he loved it he loved mm. Delilah's mom because, I mean, he loves his parents, but he has never had anybody that he felt was going to wash his hands and tuck him into bed and, you know, tell him a story. And the fact that there's other people out there that exist like that, he is fascinated by it. I think I think Billy mm. and Deacon probably found common ground on that to a degree. You know, like, um, I see that. Nice. yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Like his, his parents probably weren't hippies. They were, I, I think they were there and they were probably average parents for his older siblings. Uh, but by the time it came to him, they just were like sort of mailing it in or mm -hmm. like moving on exhausted. or maybe they were just too old or exhausted. Exactly. So I think there, I think there's, there's probably something that Deacon and Billy bonded over with that. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay. Um, couple other quick ones. Who do we think is the smartest person in the group? Either Amory or Delilah. It's definitely not Deacon. <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, it's not Delilah. She's much okay. more of sort of the artistic, like Amory would have been quietly studious. Mm -hmm. uh, or Billy. I think, I think Billy would have been very good at math, uh, very good at like um, like engineering that kind of thing. Uh, probably wasn't. Um, I mean, I. I I don't know if he was much of a history buff or anything like that. That probably didn't interest him too much, but I think he, he was probably really good at, at math. Um, mm. So I think what if, Sean what was Sean? more the guy that got good grades because he was good at understanding how the tests were written and how to like deduce the wrong answers and then be a good, he was a smart kid, but it was more about like, I understand the system than it was mm -hmm. like I've legitimately studied. Mm -hmm. Amory's okay. goal was post-secondary, so she would have worked at school. 
Again, I think that's something uh, like Billy and Amory probably would have, like they both had that drive. I think Billy was probably pushed by his older brother to do that. Like you're going to get out, you know, since I couldn't or whatever. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably, and Billy probably wanted to honor that to a degree. At least that's, that's how I'm thinking of him right now. And then Sean, he just knew how to find the angles, you know, like how to find, okay. How to play the system. Yeah. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. He's that he's not a dumb kid anyway. He's not a dumb jock by any means, but he also doesn't work harder than he needs to. Okay. I like it. Okay. Uh who's the best looking in the group? Who is uh who's the attractive one? Not Billy. Not Billy. Well, Deacon Deacon's Paragon has a charisma of four. And I, I think I think he was a pretty good looking kid. I think that's he kind of skated around on the fact that he was good looking. He was sociable. Maybe Michelle I don't know if he was, was the like one. one of the more popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, that's why he was after. School. You know, it was yeah. that was the, you know, that was everybody the prom was after queen kind of kind of exactly. Yeah. You know, cheerleader. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so so we're saying we're gonna say Deacon. All right, he's got the. What was what's the guy's name from Dune? That really skinny guy. What's his name? You know Chalamet what I'm talking about. Something. Yeah, Tibbs Chalamet. Like the is he is that oh is that Deacon? I'm, I'm that. No, no. Okay, good. I mean, Deacon is Deacon is Nothing handsome. Is He's not pretty. <laughs> mm, fair enough. I I think I. I okay. Was that um, a little Aaron? Is like no, you're not comparing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we're locking, we're locking that down right there. Do not, uh, <laughs> like, do I find? Did I find someone who else he doesn't really like him that much? Uh, okay. Um. What else do I got next? Uh, who was picked on the most? Delilah. Yeah, Delilah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Not for sure. Yep. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, and then who do we think is the kindest in the group? Like the nicest, the person that you can, you know, that you would be able to rely upon, who would help you out, you know, that kind of stuff. Who who do we think that was? I like to Sean? think Sean's really nice. <laughs> okay. Like he's very outgoing. All right. And Amory then, would always be an ear to listen to as well. Okay. Mm. I'll put that down. Okay. Always willing to listen. You're a better listener. I hear something and I try to think of how to solve the problem. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. not always I'm, the best listener. I'm allowed to listen to the problem without trying to solve it. I think you just described me and Melissa. I think I saw those reels turning. I'm like, right? I You're see where like, this is going. Yeah. That is literally us right there. Uh, okay. Uh, last two for the younger here. Uh, anyone can do this again. No is a perfectly fine answer. Were there any sort of crushes or intergroup like romances requited or unrequited? Doesn't necessarily, or like anything like that going on in the group in between the different people. No is a perfectly acceptable answer if no one wants to get into on that. I would say that um, helicopter mom being who she was and Billy and Deacon being nice to her as they were, my mom was constantly (laughs) attempting to matchmake Delilah with either Billy or Deacon. She really didn't care which, um, but it was the constant. She'd come to drop off and be like, oh, Oh, isn't he so cute? How is Delilah playing tonight? Is she doing a good job? And when I would get home, it would always be like, oh, what stories did Billy tell today? And it was always that, like, this is what she was attempting to do. And Delilah really, really, really wanted just to have platonic relationships relationships and that was nice. not I like that 
acceptable. Yeah, cool. Well, then I, I clearly would... will have to piggyback Good. off that. And secretly, Sean was jealous that your mom never at all <laughs> selected him. And that created this weird, like, it's not so much that I want to date Delilah, but I would be a good match for Delilah. Why doesn't her mom ever pick me? <laughs> I love this. So much. There, there are people that have dated somebody for their parents. Yeah, I kind of yeah. see that. Like, it's a weird thing of like, I why why is she never picking me? Like, I I, I don't get it. There's history. People have done that. Okay. I, okay. I think Deacon would often go to Delilah's mother to ask her for advice on how to get rid of Michelle, who never leaves him alone. <laughs> oh, I thought we were okay. No, no, we no. Like a new <laughs> graduate wow. moment for a second no, or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, no graduate here. <laughs> okay. Uh, for the younger crowd, Stifler's mom would that be a better route to better reference? <laughs> that, I don't know. They would also be a different same concept. Of that reference. Uh, Stacy's mom. Same basis. Uh, well, Stifler's mom is American yeah. Pie, so but yeah, Stacey's mom. Oh. Uh, that too. Yeah, but does she have it going on? That's a great question. She's got a lot of orange slices, though. I. <laughs> yes. You don't Dude, ask I the really child. Like, you all can really answer like if she really had mom. it going on. Delilah's mom might be my favorite character that we have developed thus far in this thing. This mm -hmm. is great. All right. <laughs> last last question. Everyone's got to answer this one. Who is your favorite and least favorite person in the group, and why? Now, this doesn't mean you have to hate anyone in the group. It just means, you know, who is who the, who is the person that when you you know that you went to first, or who is the person that maybe you weren't as close to as the others. You can kind of interpret that whatever you want. It doesn't have to be so extreme as to like I actively dislike this person. But who is favorite and least favorite? Okay, I might throw it out there that maybe there was a little like. Uh, Maybe Delilah was in that awkward teenage of like, she didn't want to date anyone in the group, but mm -hmm. if it ever seemed like somebody was flirting with Amory, she would like not be happy. And it was sort of like, not that I want to date them, but oh my gosh, are you actually thinking that this is a thing that would happen? Um, and Amory some of it was sort of just... hang out with Delilah a lot because they wouldn't have to talk as much <laughs> when hanging out with the Delilah. Because I okay, think so Delilah you, didn't want the group to break up. And if if people in the group were dating and then something could happen and then things could go mm -hmm. wrong. And so it was also this like anxiety about that being mm -hmm. a thing. Since we didn't establish that any of us were dating, then that was kind of like. Right. We should also point out that we have Chad as well, who is just going to be Evan's character. Evan couldn't join us tonight. Uh, so we house that. We don't really know a whole lot about his persona. I mean, I know a little bit about his Paragon, but I don't know a lot about his persona yet. But if we wanted to throw that out there as well, that's another option uh, we could say. Uh, but we know that he's going Neo, which is sort of cyberpunky, cy you know, kind of roguish type. Uh, is sort of that Paragon. Okay. You got something? I'll just say that I love Chad because I thought it was super cool, but I probably annoyed the crap out of him. Like okay. constantly compliments like, oh, that's so awesome. That's such a great idea. Shut up, Sean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So Sean's but meanwhile, favorite was Chad. It's not that I dislike Deacon, but A, he was better looking than me, and I was slightly self-conscious about that. Fair. And like he was kind of cooler than me, and I was kind of self-conscious about that. And he was all he would always point out the stupid shit that I did, and I would know that I was wrong. But kind of hated the fact that he would point it out and I would feel bad about it. And I didn't like feeling bad about the game. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like it. Jock and theater kid. Just 
Hmm. I also like it how like we're going against type to some degree, how it's like the jock who is, you know, like historically or stereotypically like the, you know, but like, like that inner, like that kind of inner, inner idea of you feeling intimidated by him and not the other way around necessarily. Mm. Love these contradictions. Okay. So we've got Sean, favorite, Chad, least favorite deacon. Uh, Delilah, your favorite was Amory, right? I think was that, was that I interpret that right? Sorry, say that again. Did I interpret like when you said it was Amory, like your, your favorite, is that how you. Uh, I, mm, Hmm. We'll come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Amory, it, it was so, a little more Deacon, nuanced Do you have, do you have answers to yeah. this? So Deacon's favorite person would probably be Amory in the group because he recognized that she recognized his bullshit in the game. Hmm. He'd see, he yeah. would, he'd be sitting there and he would look her in the eye and know, all right, she knows. I'm doing and this to know you. She on purpose. <laughs> and, he, and he absolutely respects somebody who is that self-aware and self-possessed to pick up on these things. Okay. Uh, because controlling people is at the essence of, of what he is. So he really, and his least favorite was Sean for the very reasons that Sean has Deacon for his least favorite. Okay. It drove him crazy when Sean would do stupid shit in the game and never change. He would be like, if you just did this, and it mm. never happened. So he would be like, not that he hated Sean, obviously. It was just he was most frustrated with Sean within the game. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. I like there's a rivalry. Rivalry there in a way. Okay. Mm -hmm. Amory, do you um, have any ideas? Amory's favorites would probably be Delilah and Deacon because they talk a lot and then she doesn't have to fill in the spaces uh, and she can just let that happen. And probably she didn't like maybe Chad as much because he used, uh, wanted to always bleed in science fiction into his fantasy. And at the time she wanted to keep those very separate. Mm, sure. Don't forget, you know, Billy's around guys. That's fine. That's I don't fine. know. Well, and That's fine. <laughs> Everybody I was actually going to say <laughs> that um, Delilah just, just tell was... tell Evan, Evan, I'm sorry, your your favorite person is Billy. Like, that's just what we decided. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like me the best, Evan. That's what it is. <laughs> Go ahead, Melissa. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say that I would say that Delilah was probably jealous of Billy because, like, everyone was always, like, Billy was kind of the kind of forever GM. Everybody always wanted Billy to GM. Everybody was always like, oh, he's got, you know, such good ideas. And, you know, kind of that, like, even if something cool happened during the session at the end of the night, everybody would always be like, oh, like, thanks, Billy. That was so much fun. And like, she also kind of had that creative bent to her. Um, but it was sort of kind of in that box of like, you're a player and like maybe other people had GM'd from time to time. Um, mm -hmm. But sort of nobody ever thought that that would be something that like she would be good at. So Billy was your least favorite. Okay, Melissa. Okay. Yeah, that I sounds good. But it, I, I can agree like a... No, 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 no. You said it. You said it. It's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Who gets the couch? I just... I, I <laughs> <laughs> it's such an uncomfortable couch to sleep on, too. Uh, let's see. Who experience, would... I see. Who would Billy, who would Billy consider his favorite and least favorite? I think of, of all of you, who, which of you would be the ones who liked puzzles and like the mechanics of the game? Like what, what who, who would probably 
kind of skew in that direction. You like the, the, the sort of min maxing, the mechanics of it, the puzzling nature of it, the numbers of it. Like, is, is there anyone who might like that more than others? It depends. Would Deacon you like, would, Oh God, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, say I, think, elements. I think Deacon would like the understanding how things work because that's at the heart of everything that he does is understanding how something yeah. is going to work so he can change it or okay. control it. Sean, what are you going to say? On the opposite side, be like, okay, what well, says this ability does this, but what if you try to apply it this way? <laughs> right, and he was really into it, but he was always trying to like come at it from a different angle. Least favorite. Got it. No problem. <laughs> you, you have won that easily. <laughs> nice. Emery would be about the puzzles and the, the war game tactics, not necessarily okay. the RP. Yeah, I would definitely think that then Billy would probably lean towards then Amory or Deacon. Those would probably be his his favorite for a couple of reasons. It sounds like because Billy and Amory probably bonded over like scholastics and stuff. And then I would say Billy and Deacon probably had that that same sort of family life. And then you add in the extra mm -hmm. component in the game that I think the two of them would probably probably a little bit more. Plus, Delilah hates him and Sean. Sean, there are rules, okay? Just just rules, man, okay? <laughs> just follow the freaking rules. They're right there. Raw, okay? Raw. We're playing this Delilah raw. Delilah secretly wants to be Billy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, we're getting close to the end. Uh, now we hit the big questions. So the first, so the first question, and everyone's going to get one of these, okay? One of these. And... And I don't know which one you're going to get because I'm going to roll it randomly. Uh, I've already done one for myself just so I can sort of explain how it's going to work. And so you can kind of see how I do it. And then you kind of go with you all. And there's a couple of different questions. There's only one that's repeated. And then uh, and keep remember this. Keep you know, Write this down. Think about this pretty carefully. So let's see. I'm going to roll randomly because I don't know who's going to get what. So I just want to. All right. So the first person is going to be who do I got? Okay, Kipser. Kipser, you're going to get the first question. So I'm going to give you a really big question, and you're just going to answer it. And you you don't necessarily have to go for any of the examples. You can kind of do whatever you want. So the one I did is my example. I had something which was especially important to me. What was it? And I've already hinted at this. And so like some of the examples were things like dazzling good looks, teenage lover, um, really popular, supportive family. And so for me, I'm picking my older brother, Ronnie. That's what I had that was especially important to me. Simple, easy. For you, Amory, the question is, you had a significant gift at school, something that uh, with real potential and everyone was aware of it. What was it? Um, Amory was incredibly smart. She probably excelled especially in the sciences, um, geography and uh, physics, um, but she was probably top of the class in most sciences. Okay. So just, so, so intellect specifically scientific, I think it's probably another thing that like, as we get into the education where Billy wasn't so much science as he was engineering and math. So like, I think knowing what I know about your character, yours seems to be more in, like in the physical world. And Billy was probably more theoretical mm -hmm. maths and stuff like, like that. Like natural but, sciences, especially. Yeah. And probably she was very good at taking pictures of the natural world uh, okay. in, in that as well. Okay. All right, perfect. Uh, let's see who's going to be next. Uh, again, we're going to just do this random. Uh, Kipster comes up twice in a row. Of course she does. Uh, okay, so the next question is going to be for Sean. I'm the best. Sean, you had a goal in life. What was it? And so examples from the book, again, 
feel free to go off the board. You wanted kids and a family, you wanted to be successful, or you wanted to be like a rich entrepreneur. You wanted to turn your passion in life into something, you know, you wanted to get the hell out of this town and never look back, et cetera. So what was, what was Sean's goal? Uh, uh, and again, this is your answering as like a, you know, being young right now. Being young, uh, Sean had a military dad and he had it in his brain like i'm gonna go to rotc i'm gonna become an officer and i'm gonna i'm gonna like follow in his footsteps i'm gonna be a very solid salt of the earth dude and i'm gonna like I'm gonna be a goddamn american hero yeah okay. that's what i'm gonna do all right i think that's that's phenomenal my grades are it. good enough i'm athletic like clearly i'm gonna be i'm this is gonna be so easy it's gonna be a cakewalk that is absolutely phenomenal all right um Let's see. Do we want to do? I'll save. I'll save one of these. I got to save one of these for Evan. So we'll just do the next one. Same question to Delilah. You had a goal in life. What was it? Uh, so if I can kind of go backwards just a little bit. Um, sure. So a little bit before the events of when we were playing as a teenager, she had always been creative but she also was into like track and those types of things and so like that was something that she wanted to pursue mm -hmm. um because she didn't necessarily think that like like art was a fun thing to do but not like she didn't see a path of what that was going to do um but she thought maybe if she could like be in track and maybe get a scholarship or something that maybe that would be good for her. Um, by the time we're teenagers playing this game, that has already been taken away, but that was her goal. Okay. Well, I need to know what, what is her goal as a teenager though? Is it actually is kind of important. Okay. So it has so to need, be like I need to know, this particular I need time. To know like, like we're, we're in tabletop games together. We're 17, 18 okay. years old. What is the goal that Delilah has? Like she still has it in her mind. She's still there. You can do the track thing. There's no reason you can't do the track thing, but um, um, I'll do the art thing then that she, she at this point hasn't figured out that that's not a thing that she can go far with. So she wants okay. to go far with her art stuff. You want to be an artist. What kind of art? Um, she does more like collage type creations. So it's not so much drawing. It's more mm -hmm. like collage sculpture type things. Okay. Perfect. Got it. All right. Next question then is for good old Deacon. Deacon, your teenage years had something specifically shitty to deal with. And then we want to know what that is. So the examples that they have in here, your parent or parents died. You fell into the wrong crowd. You got a record. You got seriously ill, had to stay in the closet, dealing with homophobia. Uh, what shitty thing did Deacon have to deal with as a teen? I think um, as a teenager, well, you know, during this whole game time, um, his father uh, was in a in a car accident uh, that it was his fault. And he was driving under the influence and he killed the family in the other car. Um, and one of the people in that other car was a classmate of Deacon's. So. It affected his school life. It affected his home life. His father went to jail for vehicular uh, mm -hmm. homicide. Um, 
And that completely changed the end of his high school life and 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 how he had to manage his life. Because he, he at that point, not only was he going to school, he had to go to work because he had to help support his family. Um, so it was it totally it that that one moment in time completely changed his teenage years. Fantastic. I love it. Very good. All right. Now we get to cycle back to these exact same questions because now we're going to answer these questions as an adult and I'm going to, there's going to be a wrinkle based upon the, the which, whatever question you got first. So I'll start with mine to show you how this works. So my initial question was I had something which was especially important to me. What was it? And as I said, it was my older brother, Ronnie, who was, who was the most important. He was like my role model. He was my quasi father. He was the guy who was, was gonna, I was gonna, he was basically getting me to where I need to go. Uh, and so the question then for me as an adult now, that thing was important to you. The thing that was important to you, I've lost it. How? Ronnie died uh, from an, op an opioid addiction specifically. Mm -hmm. um, like he, he kind of got, so we're at that time in the, the late nineties aughts, like opioids. So he kind of got, he got hooked on them after an injury. Uh, it wasn't, um, you know, it was something he didn't really know about. And over time, like it kind of, it kind of spiraled, uh, over time after, after high school. Uh, and that's, uh, so, so Ronnie is no, so as an adult, 15 years later in that 15 year interim, Ronnie has passed. So that's how things twist. So then I'm going to go over to, to Amory. Amory, you had significant gift at school. Um, and you said science, you're really smart, mm -hmm. intellectual, uh, your potential future never happened, mm -hmm. not even close. Why? Um, so Amory's goal was to be a sort of a geological surveyor uh, specializing in volcanology. And she had an accident out on a trail somewhere, uh, cracked her arm, couldn't get back to a hospital in time, infection set in and she lost her arm and she got into drink to deal with pain and pain medication and she hasn't come out yet. Okay. Okay. Uh, is it dominant arm or is it your It is arm? the dominant arm. It's oh, the geez. right arm. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, next up, Sean, you had a goal in life. You were going to go mm -hmm. into the military. You're going to have a great career. You're going to be a freaking American hero. You didn't achieve it. Why? There's a couple of reasons. One, this is right around the time you start getting some, like, there's some creepy stuff that starts happening in the late 90s that's kind of scary. Yeah. And he won't admit it to anybody, but secretly it kind of scared the shit out of Sean. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm not going to sign up to go over there and get involved in all this crazy Middle Eastern bullshit. And basically, Sean chickened out. Okay, man. Um, yeah, he might give, that. he's given a million other excuses, but honestly, he just chickened out and then went to a regular college, got a bullshit degree, and just kind of went the 50% route. That is that is great. Kudos for taking that on. Uh, that's a big uh, that's a big difference. And then we're going to go over to Delia, who also you had uh, a goal, just like Sean. You were going to be an artist. You were going to somehow do something great with art, being an artist. And here's the thing: you did. You achieved it. You made something of it. However, 
It didn't make you happy. Why not? So I would say she figured out that there are like art colleges that you can go to and, you know, you can kind of do that. Um, and I might need folks help with this, but at the end of it, she's doing something that's a little more on like the mass produced mm. kind okay. of direction where she really imagined herself as sort of like, you know, having shows and you know, Friday night art walk types of venues and kind of having her things. And what she's doing is far more commercial. You're like creating logos for websites or some nonsense like that. Marketing yeah. or jingles. Medic medical illustrations oh. or medical textbooks oh. Oh. Oh my God. is the most horrible thing to do as an art student. <laughs> Trust okay me. With that? You okay with that, Melissa? Like all these, like these suggestions, you can weave it together. I, um, for reasons I haven't yet revealed, I'm, I will veto the last one. Um, okay. For kind Fair of the, the physical piece, um, but I like sort of the just commercial, um, marketing Soulless. type things where, like, financially, sure, like she seems like she's doing well, but just the things that she's churning out is just like she's a cog in the capitalistic wheel and she really wanted to be the artist who just made stuff that made people happy. Okay. And then we're going to go to Deacon. Deacon, you uh, had something shitty to deal with. Your father uh, got in a, got in an accident, uh, drunk driving, killed one of your classmates. You, you kind of became a pariah cause of it in some, in some ways, mm -hmm. in some, you know, your dad went to jail. So that thing that made your life bad then it still affects and haunts you today somehow. So how is it still impacting your life? So I think, um, I think Deacon, um, having to go to work, having to make money, had no skills for making money. And he would visit his father in jail. And his father was protected in jail by the organization. By, organi by organized crime, you know, he had the right look, he had some skills, he was, and so Deacon got pulled into that world to make money to support his family, and he's still trapped in that life. Uh, he works for a capo, you know, he's, he's, he's like the concierge of a, of a capo of a, of a local outfit, and he, he hates it. He's very good at it. Um, but he hates it, but he doesn't see any way out of it. His father's okay. still in jail, but that's not even the factor anymore. The factor is, is once you're in the life, you don't leave the life. Uh, okay. You know, he's getting pressure from the feds. You know, it's just that entire lifestyle is, is sucked him in and he he's in that black hole and can't get out. All right. Fantastic. Okay. So we've got some final questions. We're going to go through these really fast and then we're going to move in. So we got quick ones here. Uh, some of you have already answered these questions too, but if there's anything that, that we didn't cover previously, we'll, we'll hit them now. What do you do now? Do we know what everyone does now? Uh, Deacon, we know what we just heard it. Uh, Billy works in, uh, elevator repair. So he's, he didn't really become the genius mechanical engineer, but he's still sort of on the periphery of the field deals with elevator repair installation, that kind of stuff. So that's what Billy does. Anybody else? 
just like a forest ranger out getting drunk and not really doing their job. Okay. Bad forest ranger. Mm. Okay. Uh, Sean, what about you? I am a call center customer oh, service yeah. supervisor. <laughs> I hate very, my life so much. Oh, very that's safe. Brutal. Very safe job. Very safe. It's job. very safe. Yeah, Sean just went the safest, most vanilla route, and he hates himself for it. Okay. Delilah, do we know what Delilah does? Commercial artist, right? We know that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Advertising. Advertising firm stuff. Anyone married? Yeah. I don't think Billy is either. Divorced. Sean is divorced. Okay. Uh, did Delilah ever settle down? No. Uh, okay. Anyone have kids? Mm-mm, mm-mm. No one's got kids. Okay. Uh, Deacon has had no relationships after this. After he got yeah, pulled into this life, that. he has just isolated himself from, from anyone outside okay. of this small organization. Okay, so Sean, you said yes. You have kids? Uh, I'm divorced. Uh, My wife ended up having an addiction problem. And so I'm a single dad. And it's kind of... It's a pain in the ass. I love my kid, but it's a pain in the ass. Because they switch my hours sometimes with like minimum notice. and Son, daughter? Let's go daughter. Okay. Uh, What do do we think about an age? Um, Six. Like young. Okay. Young but old enough to kind of engage. Had her in your late twenties, like you yeah, twenty seven, twenty something. Like okay, yeah, okay. A little bit Perfect. after college, had the kid. What was uh, Delilah? What was your younger sister's name? Tina. My daughter's name is Tina. Oh boy. Okay. Very nice. Uh, for Delilah, I might say that maybe she's like newly in a relationship with someone that has a kid. So it's definitely like this is a slow paced relationship because, you know, this person is not looking to okay. kind of rush anyone into their kid's life. So it's a very like very slow paced like kind of a early situation. stages of like possible stepmom future for Delilah, but not like, yeah, okay. I'm seeing it. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of these things I think we've already had. Biggest responsibility in your life, Sean, would we say your kid? Is that, yeah, is that fair? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Deacon, would we say your your job with the with the mob? Like your, or is it something else? It's probably taking care of his aged mother and okay. keeping her completely separated from his life and his father's life in prison. Okay. She probably has a little uh, early onset dementia. She's having a hard time. He's paying to keep her in a very nice home. Um, she's got a she's got a private nurse, so he's dumping all of his money, all of his whatever free time he gets, into keeping his mother as happy and comfortable as she can be. Okay, uh, Amory, what do we think is your biggest responsibility? Um, Amory doesn't really have a lot of ties, but I'm going to say she acquired a small, uh, black and white creature that requires, uh, constant supervision, um, named Max. Okay. Dog named Max. Okay. What a, what a life imitating art in this, uh, this <laughs> so far. uh, Delilah, yeah, I, for Delilah, I would say that, um, her and Tina's mom has passed away. 
Okay. In the 15 years. And so she is doing her best job because I'm, I'm going to say that at the time earlier, Tina, I was picturing as being kind of maybe like seven ish. Like she was like almost younger. 10 years younger. Oh, so you're like the Ronnie to Tina, you know, you're, you're to Tina what Ronnie was to me sort of. Yeah. Okay. And so basically that's what happened is now that like, um, our mom has passed away. And so now she is, I'm trying to quickly do math. 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're very much. Yeah. You're very, very much took on the Ronnie role for, for Tina. Interesting. Yep. And maybe, okay. and maybe I saw what that looked like and kind of seeing Billy and Ronnie. And so mm -hmm. maybe she kind of has that model in her head of how an older sibling can be that for a younger sibling. Yeah. I like it. Uh, okay. We already kind of covered this one. How does it affect your life? I think everyone's kind of touched on that. Uh, what made you not want to come to this little reunion and why did you come anyway? So was there anything, anything you can think of? Like, you know, assume that the reunion is, is that Billy is responsible for it. He's the one trying to pull mm. people together. All right. Using the fact that everyone's either back in town or they're, everyone's in the sort of same place at the same time because of Steven, maybe maybe taking advantage of the fact that Steven died as a way to guilt you all into doing this, whatever it might be. But Billy is the one who has been pushing this. So what made you all not want to come to this reunion and why did you come anyway? Well, Deacon, yeah. his whole life, his whole previous life ended, you know, when at that point, when his, when his father went to jail, when he started working uh, for the people he works for. So he's basically he put all of that life, all the happiness and joy, all of his teenage dreams into a box and ate it. And he doesn't he doesn't want to open it again because he knows if he has to look back at what he could have had, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it would break his heart. So he's he's completely divorced himself of the of almost all emotions, if it, if at all possible. But um, the hope. Of what he had still existing uh and Billy, Billy, the sound of Billy's voice when he first called him and that momentary hope and that momentary flash of memory of happiness, uh, it grew enough inside him that that he doesn't even know how or why he found himself just booking the ticket, getting nice. on the plane and going. OK, OK. Uh, anybody else want to take a stab at this one? Amory doesn't want to talk to people, doesn't want to interact with people anymore, but they're here. They'll put the bottle down. Maybe there is a flask in the jacket, but they're here. Okay. All right. Doesn't want to, but is doing it anyway. Finding yeah. outs, perhaps. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sense so of observation. For Delilah, um, kind of one of the things that had happened, you know, kind of before we were playing, um, is that there had actually been a house fire that she had been pretty severely burned in, which is kind of why she wore a lot of baggy clothes and hoodies and those types the track of things. Thing you were talking about, yeah, exactly. So like having, having wanting to have kind of be a track runner and then kind of having really really severe burns and limited like nerve feeling and like different things like that. Um, and since she's mm -hmm. been making so much money 
she's done some plastic surgery recently. And so she hasn't seen anyone. And so like it's things that she's done to kind of feel better for her. And like the Mm. people that she hangs out with now have kind of encouraged like, Oh yeah, yeah, you should do this. This is how you should spend your money. And you like, you'll be so much happier, but there's part of her that sort of feels like that was the wrong thing to do um, to kind of cover up this thing that happened. And so she has this worry that when she meets with all of you who knew her when she was younger, who haven't seen her in a while, that you judge her for being like superficial. Okay. Perfect. Love it. Uh, who do we have that still? Sean, I think still, right? Sean, what was, yeah. what about you? So Sean is excited to come do this because on the inside, he kind of hates himself because he turned into the person that Deacon would have told him to become. He, he started making all the safe choices and he hates himself for it. So he really wants that spark again. But the problem is, like, he's got Tina. And he knows the only way he's going to be able to make this work is to basically turn to his dad to ask his dad to help watch Tina. And his dad has never outwardly scorned him for chickening out. But, like, he's got that thing in his head that he's pretty sure that his dad knows what's really going on and he feels the, the relationship between him and his dad has gone kind of awkward. It's not negative, but it's just really they'll, they'll enter the same room and speak maybe two words to each other. Okay. But the only way he can make this work is if he goes to his dad for help for watching his daughter while he goes to the game and he feels like an asshole. He's like, I'm asking my dad to watch my daughter so I can go play a fucking game, but I want to play this game. And I'm an asshole, but I don't want to feel like an asshole. Okay. Uh, I think at long last, we have made it through these questions, these ritual questions. I have tons of notes uh, that uh, I can now use and turn around on you in horrible ways. So what do you say we play a little bit? Uh, now, Yay. in the in rituals there's there are far more kind of stark divides and stuff we'll we'll make ours a little bit more murky but we are actually i think going to to dabble for a little bit uh, and then we'll dive in even further next week when the full crew is around all right all right so we'll assume then at this point uh we are now embodying ourselves billy delilah amory deacon etc so we are we are adult selves we are in our early 30s, uh, and that's, that's that's who we are now. So let's figure, so let's set this up. So it is it's late. Okay, it's um, we'll say it's probably a weekend, maybe maybe a Friday or a Saturday. Uh, it's uh, we'll say it's maybe it's like well, late for 33 year olds is different than what's late for teenagers. So maybe we'll say it's <laughs> like. It's like 9, 9 p.m. I was gonna, 8 p.m. <laughs> okay, 9 p.m. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, we'll say it's uh, it's a little, it's a little, it's around 9 p.m. We'll call it that. Uh, we'll say that we, you all, got calls uh, or emails or text messages from from Billy, pestering you over the last week uh, as news of Stephen's passing. Uh, likely we've already gone to the funeral. Maybe the funeral was earlier in the day. Maybe the funeral was the day before. 
maybe mm. we're trying to, um, so like Billy has been, even today, you've been getting messages uh, in your inboxes, making sure that you all have committed to this, that you're not sneaking out of town. Those of you who are no longer in town, because Billy is still in town. Billy's always been in town. Mm. And so he's making sure that you're, you're, that you're, you're coming. And there's no other place that we're going to meet besides mom's kitchen, obviously, because it's still there. It's a institution. We didn't really get into our specific city. You don't nearly have to. It's not important, but we know it's a city. Like we know we're in a decently high populated area. Uh, we're not like a rural town, uh, but maybe there's a highway that takes us out of the more populated area. And that's where we find mom's kitchen. So imagine then, so setting the scene, there's a light rain. It's sprinkling uh, just a little bit, not heavy. We see these long puddles. You see these faint intermittent raindrops tickling them a little bit. We watch as a white work van starts to make a left into mom's kitchen, the parking lot coming off. It's, a, it's an awkward, it's an awkward exit ramp and then a quick move over because they've, they've changed the exit ramp in the last 15 years. It made it even worse. It's probably even made mom's kitchen get fewer and fewer customers. The side of the van, we can see that it's branded, says Pilgrim Elevator Solutions. And it's kind of splayed in this dark lettering. It's over top this logo. It's got a cartoonish man, more like silhouetted, uh, with a capitan, one of those pilgrim hats, holding a gear in one hand and holding a wrench in the other. And we can see that there's only a couple cars in the parking lot. Uh, there's plenty of quality spaces all over the place uh, where the interior lights from the diner uh, are kind of casting on that wet asphalt. But the van parks a few rows away. And as the door opens, we see me. We see Billy. Billy steps out. He's got like a dirty jeans on, dirtier work boots. You can see there's a black black polo on. It's got that same logo as the van uh, over top uh, of my, my left breast. Um, my hair's dark, curly, long enough almost in the back to kind of entertain the idea of a mullet, but not really a mullet. Doesn't really put, I don't think Billy put that much effort into his, into his attire. So I'm going to go, you, you watch as Billy kind of walks around, opens up, the back of his van, which is overloaded with all these disorganized machine parts. And he pulls out a backpack, Jansport, classic, throws it over his shoulder. And you kind of see as he, you know, I walk up, open the door, step inside. And like we can see now camera cinematically, we can see kind of through the windows of the diner. We haven't quite followed Billy inside yet. We watch, he's getting in a conversation with mom or whoever the new mom is. Um, and you can see that she is kind of pointing him into the far corner, we'll say, uh, where we probably, we, there's a booth back there, a corner booth, plenty of room, big table. Uh, and so kind of wanders over. He kind of sits down. He kind of shifts himself. Some say Billy's going to, he's, he's, he's almost meticulous in a way. Maybe there's a touch of some OCD that comes into his personality as he, he very carefully puts himself in the middle of this arc booth so that it's equidistant on either side. And, and you can see that he's very anxiously looking around, looking out the window, looking up at the door. Anytime anyone makes a sound, he looks up to see if someone's here. He's probably arrived earlier, much earlier than anyone else. Uh, so, we see him look up 
Uh, and what I'm going to ask you all to do is we're going to kind of just describe your character, what they look like, your persona and how they arrive. So we'll start with who's the first person to go Did that roll. Uh, so we'll say it's Deacon Deacon. You're other than Billy are the first to arrive. So how do you arrive? Uh, what do you look like? If there's anything different about the area that, you know, kind of like I was doing with the on-ramp. Um, and how do you greet Billy when you, when you walk in? So coming through the rain, you would see a, a, a recent model black Mercedes sedan. Not too flashy, uh, but a nice vehicle. A, a car that you can depend on to move. He slows as he comes by the diner. Drives past it circles around, does a circuit, almost as if he is surveilling the area. Comes up, doesn't park in the parking lot, parks to the side of the diner with the car facing out towards the road in case he needs to leave. Gets out, puts a little tape over the door handle of the car, checks the seams, locks it down. You see him go back to his trunk, take something out of the back of his suit, it looks like he puts it in a lock safe in the trunk of the Mercedes and locks the Mercedes. As he's walking towards the diner, um, he is an average height man, uh, but he's lean. It's uh, it's like life has scoured whatever fat was going to be on a man's body off of him. Almost like he can't afford to take the time to eat. He's got uh, muddy gray eyes and uh short cropped black hair keeps it short enough so it doesn't he doesn't have to mess with it you know he can basically roll out he doesn't have to worry about it it's never going to fall in his eyes you cannot grab a fistful of it now these are the things you can almost see these are things he thought about and has to think about he's wearing a a nice italian black suit but the cut of the jacket's a little boxy um and if you know you know why and if you don't you just think he's maybe slightly out of fashion. He's got a black button-up shirt, uh, and he's wearing a black trench coat. And once again, as he's walking up, he's using every reflective surface, keeping an eye on everything that's moving around him. And he's trailing one finger along the side of the wall of the diner, almost because he can't believe that he's back here. He slowly opens the door, takes one step in, and once again, he is he is cornering the place. He's looking. He's nodding down at the, at the waitresses. He's nodding down at mom. Turns. No, he knows exactly where he's going to find Billy. Walks back there. Stops about three feet away from the table. And just stands there. Hands down by his side. Loose. Just looking, looking right at Billy. Yeah, and I would say, like, Billy's kind of looking back and very anxious like very anxious you, he's probably messing with something in his hands whether it's like you know maybe he's got a coffee in front of him and he's like constantly turning the the, the coffee cup here and there like trying to fidget with the handle or he's tearing up some of the sugar packets here and there and he's just kind of waiting for, for you to say the first word like for so he's kind of looking up at you at this point billy aren't you gonna stand up and shake my hand Oh, uh, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. De Deacon. Uh, and, and at that point he slides, he'll slide out and he's, you can see he's almost reluctant to do so. And he gets up shaking your hand, 
you can tell he's like, dude, is this a hug situation? Is this not right. a hug situation? That's it. Exactly. Deacon shakes his hand. And he puts one hand on his shoulder. He pulls him in. He pats him on the back. He's like, brother, you are the sight for sore eyes. I wasn't going to come tonight, but your voice, your voice pulled me in. And right. at this moment, right. this is the happiest I've been in 15 years. <laughs> Bless you. you can, Bless you, as, man. As, you're, as you, you can feel a little, like, stress move out of his shoulder like as you're as you're grabbing him like as you could tell when he when you first did that little half bro hug he felt extremely tense he still feels very anxious but you could tell some of it has certainly lessened we'll say at this point uh we see melissa you're gonna tell us how does delilah show up does she like how does she show up at the at mom's kitchen so delilah uh so you see kind of pulling into this parking lot you see a perfectly well-maintained late 90s Mazda RX-7. So like a little sports car. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so she kind of comes in. You see her like almost park very close to the door and then sort of like drive through that space and park a little bit further away. She's in the car for a bit before kind of getting out of the car. Um, and if you were kind of looking, you might see that she's, you know, kind of got the mirror down, you know, kind of the sunshade mirror, um, kind of looking around, like counting how many cars there are outside and kind of takes a deep breath and kind of gets out. And when she gets out of the car, you kind of see she is, dressed not dissimilarly to how she would have been dressed before. So she's in kind of a black kind of comfortable pants, a black hoodie. Um, but you can tell this is not inexpensively made. And when she kind of opens the door to the diner, probably what you would have noticed is that she carries herself very differently than she did as a teenager. As a teenager, she definitely was sort of stooped over a bit, kind of hood, kind of hoodied down. Um, and when you see her kind of walking in, she is definitely kind of has a different walk to her. Um, she's got brown hair um, that sort of is in the, you know, kind of in a little bit of a, kind of curl to it uh, and she kind of looks around and you kind of see a brightness when she sees Billy and Deacon and, and then it kind of quiets a little bit like she's like really excited and then kind of makes it a little bit more subtle and walks over. Okay. Um, so at that, I mean, maybe you're getting, you come in right as like Deacon and Billy are like breaking from each other and getting ready to sit back down. And so we're like, we're halfway down. Then we see you or be maybe I think Billy might do a double take, especially if you're saying you're walking differently. So you might see some of that, uh, as, as you approach, are you a hugger? Are you, what would uh, Delilah do approaching us? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and so you'll, you'll see, you'll definitely notice she ha used to have scarring that you don't necessarily see now. So there would definitely okay. be kind of a difference in her. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think she hugs almost to delay the conversation a little bit that she'll kind of come over um, and definitely Billy first walk over um, full hug. Okay. All right. And you probably smell uh, Billy has, has been working today. Like you can, you can, he's a, he probably never, he probably worked very late and you can, you kind of, you can smell very, you know, oils. You can smell, it's the smell of a, of like a, of a working class man. And like, you can kind of, you can, you can feel like the grit in his hands. Like you can tell he works with his hands. So when you, when you hug him, um, how does Deacon react to Delilah? How does that interaction go? No, no change to his face. You do notice his eyes widen slightly. He recognizes the change. I mean, he always is looking for patterns, uh, and he does see that. Uh, and when she lets go of Billy, uh, he holds out his hands, you know, in a slight gesture, like, if you want a hug, I'm here. If you want to <laughs> shake my hand, that's fine, too. Okay. And you'll get a big hug as well. Okay. It's good to see you, Delilah. You too. So we'll, we'll turn our attention then to Sean. How does Sean arrive at Mom's Kitchen, Jeremy? Uh, well, Sean is very much of the uh, opinion that if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. So he shows up there. He's got his like he's got one of those really crappy like flip cell phones, mm-hmm. and he's he's on the phone with his daughter. He's like Tina, look, no. Grumps doesn't know the songs that you like at bedtime. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Puff the Magic Dragon, and he he just goes through and he sings like two or three songs to his daughter to try and you know, just 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 be good for Grumps. Grumps, he's yes, I he's he's got he's got your breakfast ready. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. You've you've got Mr. Binky right. You've got him. You've got him. Good. Okay. Okay. Yes. I can sing it one more time, but then I have one more time and then daddy's got to go. Okay. Good. All right. And so he, you know, he's got that little routine. So he showed up five minutes early, but then he ends up being like 10 minutes late mm-hmm. uh, because of all of that. Okay. Uh, and he comes in, you know, very mediocre car and he steps out and he is just the polished embodiment of mediocrity. It's khaki pants blue work shirt with the 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 sleeves are now like rolled up and it's unbuttoned by two buttons um you know he's he's got (laughs) just a very like it's like the all it's like just one step away from being the high and tight haircut he is just a cookie cutter of what you would expect like he's still in shape you know he's got the time to go like but it's just like it's good but it's like vanilla good you know, he probably even has like some sort of cologne that he got as a Christmas present that was from the local mall. Do you react to anyone in particular? Like, is there any sort of specific, like, like noteworthy oh, yeah. or different reaction to one of the three no, people who he, are he'll here? come in and overall be just in a really good mood? Billy, thank you for this. I okay. needed this. This is a great idea. You're a goddamn genius, Deacon. Thanks, Sean. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're welcome, Billy. Thank you. Deacon, I say this with love, but fuck you for still looking better than me. <laughs> hey, Sean, you know. And and you can see Deacon drills. He, he looks at him. He goes, 
So where are you serving at now, Sean? And he knows he's not actually in the military, but he's just digging. <laughs> uh, Delilah. <laughs> wow. Just like there's no like filter. It's just like, <laughs> wow. But you know what? Good for you. Because the thing is, and I, I mean this with love, now the outside just matches the inside. You're awesome. I'm so happy for you. That's great. Okay. What are we playing tonight? Oh, um, something something new. Oh, just wait for Am- Amory. Is oh, okay, her? cool. And so he's like, you see, like he's looking past you out the window. And how does Amory arrive? Like, what what, what do we see when Amory comes up to the to the to the diner itself and inside the diner? What do we see? So there is a bang like a shotgun going off as the car backfires. <laughs> a shitty, covered in dirt, full of rust Toyota Helix, which I'm told is a 90s model car. Um, the Helix? Wow. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's a truck. And it's got like some scratched off Forest Ranger logo on the side of it. Uh, it doesn't drive quite straight. Uh, you don't know if it's the car or the driver. <laughs> um, as the as as the helix kind of runs into the the parking stop for the cars, uh, a little bit maybe more than should have been the velocity it reached. Uh, truck com- turns off. Uh, and Amory steps out. She's got sort of this dark hair that's been shrewd short, but even at a distance, you can tell there's just like it's unwashed grease. Um, and she has the that pale green shirt uh, button up with like uh, probably a tank top underneath it, a little forest ranger badge. The thing that's unusual is she has, although it's maybe a warm summer night, um, the sleeves are all the way down and and they're, she's using her left hand more than her right hand as, as the other one. It, she's kind of like hiding it a little bit ashamed. Uh, and it, if you look closely, you can tell the skin tone is slightly off and you can realize it's a prosthetic arm. Um, as she kind of like tracks in dirt and leaves on the sour scent of alcohol. Okay. Do you react in a particular way to anyone or is it just kind of everyone kind of gets the same like assembly line greeting? He, yeah, she kind of is a bit shut down, mm. rolled in on herself. The opposite of how Delilah now walks with more confidence and assuredness, Amory rolls in on herself. And she kind of like, yeah, hey, hey, all, uh, it's, uh, it's good to see you all. I'm, uh, yeah, I guess we're playing. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can play. Um, do we want, we can get like coffee or, or food, or if you are you, you yeah, buster. Uh, what do they serve um, to drink here? I think they have beer. Um, I think, yeah, they got uh, they have beer. They have to have beer, right? Oh, they I totally guess. do. Okay, so gut butter, gut buster. What two pitchers? Three pitchers? Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll stick with coffee there, Sean. I don't I don't drink. Perfect. Okay, gut buster. Two pitchers. Two coffees. Uh, sure. Uh, gut bust. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. I got it. Uh, 
thanks thanks um and so we'll we'll kind of cue a montage at this point of us like drinking eating awkward pre-game conversation here and there kind of looking see if chad shows up or not maybe reminiscing about steven you know we'd like do a like a somewhat half-hearted but not you know not with a lack of earnestness like toast to him or you know it's just this this sort of montage of, of memories we might have of him, something like that. Oh my and God. Do you remember whenever he wanted to play the mountain in L5R and he had nothing like he had that 20 page backstory. Uh, no one read that. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I read it. I read it. Uh, you did. Writing, I tried. I read every backstory you guys ever gave me. Like every, I gotta say, Billy, I'm sorry that you had to read through that backstory and then I stuck that knife in his character's ear in the first <laughs> session, but I just couldn't take it anymore. Honestly, I, from what I read in the backstory, it was pretty deserved. Uh, uh, he was not a good person and probably deserved that. So yeah. he had it coming, really. Yeah, I, I will say, like at the time, like it felt weird to like have a player kill another player's character yeah and so maybe i wasn't very supportive at the time but like well, i will was, admit now it was kind of funny it, he was only supposed to be in it for like one session it was a temporary he wasn't even going to be in the whole campaign and he gives me a 20 page backstory for a character that he's only going to play like one time and yeah I don't, I don't know he wasn't really even mad about it afterwards i don't think so then he kind of guilted me and then I had to put him in the other games. And, and now, you know, for like yeah. years, I just couldn't get rid of him at that point. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so we kind of go around for a bit. We'll say like that, ha you know, we, we talk for a bit. Clock continues to tick. Chad still doesn't show up. At a certain point, we'll say maybe an hour passes. And uh, we'll say Billy kind of reaches under at this point is maybe there's a lull in the conversation. Everyone it's, it gets, gets that point where we've like all of the, the arsenal of conversation we might've come prepared with has started to die off. And so Billy will kind of reach down and he'll pull, you know, I'll pull up, you know, this Jansport backpack and uh, I don't know what, what, what did we, what do we think our main game was when we were, when we were in teen was, we, do we want to just want to say D and D? Do we want to say something more specific? We just say we just say second edition. Let's just say second edition. Yeah, yeah. Easy it was the yeah. classic back then, especially since Amory specifically said something about preferring fantasy and didn't like how Chad mm -hmm. kept putting. Okay, yeah. And so you see, so so Blake starts opening up this this, this Jansport. Do you guys realize, by the way, that this Jansport is the same one than from when he was a teenager? Like it's it's stitched together. You can see that Billy most likely has been the one to do this, and he has patched it up here and there. But it's got familiar old stains. It's faded as much as can be. But he pulls this out and he starts, he starts kind of pulling a few, you know, materials out. And he's like, okay, I know, I know I said we were going to do second edition again. I, I know, but I mean, honestly, those rules are so outdated and I just, I didn't really have the energy to just go through them again. Like, I mean, game design honestly has gotten so much better uh, in the time. I don't know how, I don't know how I ever ran these old modules to be honest, but whatever, it's not important. I have uh, I have something better. Um, so, do you all remember that that uh, when we were in school, right? And uh, it was those kids. Uh, I don't know. Was it Ohio? No, or is it no? It was, it was Indiana. 
maybe it was Ohio. I don't know. The ones they disappeared. You remember them? They 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 were playing an RPG and then they just disappeared and then they were like gone for like two years. And then they come back and they don't say anything about where the fuck they were. They just nothing. Like they just you, you, right? You you remember that? There was yeah, the news it was some in of the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, totally remember that. Well, I uh I got a copy of their game. The game that no. they were playing, the actual game they play. eBay uh, is your friend. And I got a lot of things on eBay. I, very, I actually have a store. Uh, I will I will share it with you all. I sell, uh, I sell you. Never mind. It's not important. Anyhow, um, eBay? It, 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 it's just I needed to make some money on the side. It's, it's not important. Anyhow, um, but no better chance to play uh, than, than right now. Right? Yeah. Oh, wait. Are, are we in Delilah kind of looks around? Or are we going to? Are we going to wait for Chad? Uh, I mean, if we wait okay. for Chad, then we're going to be waiting all night. You know how he is. I'm gone Chad's going to play some sort of ninja stealthy guy that will just show up. So by the time we've all introduced yeah. our characters and done some banter, we know what Chad's going to play. Yeah, I love a big come on. I mean, we all know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least he follows the rules, but, you know, that's fine. Um, that's fair. Anyhow. Okay. So. So I, I would say all of you notice that Billy is very anxious like, and he's pulling things out of this, this bag and you see, he's got like a, a, a folder he pulls out. He's got these various pieces of paper. He starts, starts kind of passing them out to you. He's got this red lacquered box, which he, he opens up kind of sets in the middle of the table, just a few inches in front of him. And there's like this red velvet interior. It's got all these different dice. It's got a D four. It's got a D six, D eight, D 12, a D 20. All of them are within like a little a little pouch, a little sleeve, a little insert. Uh, the D10 uh, sl- uh, slot is empty, uh, and he's like, "Okay, so this is uh, this is this is kind of a different game. There are only a couple of classes, um, so no like multi class or anything. Um, and no, you can't make up your own, Sean. Um, but every class has its <laughs> own <laughs> its own die. Okay, um, so when he handed out the sheets, you could you guys notice that like the sheets that he gave you were they're already filled out like you can see they have like your descriptions like deacon he kind of turns to you first and billy pulls out like a d4 and he just kind of reaches out stares you like almost uncomfortably in the eye and and one of the things i would say everyone has noticed since you arrived is that billy has trouble keeping eye contact with people like everybody and like the minute like a minute two seconds go by he's already looking away but for the first time he stares you know, someone in the eye for much longer and he places it in Deacon's hand. It's a D4 and it's a beautiful D4. It's absolutely gorgeous, perfect weight, metal. And he says, uh, he says, and he almost, almost looks like he's, he's reciting script at this point. And he's just like, this is your die. There is no other die like this in the whole game. This is special. This is yours. Use it well, dictator. And then, like he lets out this big breath as if like that was hard for him. Like that was a very, very difficult thing. You get in the sense that his, his, some sort of antisocial tendencies have really started to kick in in the last few years since when you all saw him he goes next and he picks up the D eight, turns to Delilah, like reaches across to wherever Delilah's sitting, kind of grabs your hand and places it in your palm. And he stares you in the eye and does the same thing. This is your die. There is no other like it in this whole game. This is special. This is yours. Use it well, emotion night. And you just, and you look at your sheet, and the 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 paragon, the class that he's mentioned is the same thing on your sheet as you know that is that is that he's calling all to you. 
Amory turns to you, places the, the D12 in your hand. This is your die. This is there's no other die like this in the whole game. This is special. This is yours. Use it well, Godbinder. And I would like to think that he he almost reached for your right hand and then stumbled and then reached over to the left at the last <laughs> second. Turns to Sean, uh, picks up the D6. Uh, he places it in your hand, stares you in the eye. For a moment, you can see there's like the kid who's staring at you after you just asked him if you could do something completely stupid that goes against the tenets and principles and rules of the game, and he's dying a little inside. But he nonetheless places the D6 in your hand, and he says, this is your die. This is exactly the same as every other die in the game. There is nothing special about it at all. Use it, fool. Oh, oh. You've got so much gravitas. This is great. I'm excited. I haven't run a game in like 10 years. Okay. And then he grabs a D20. And this one is mine. All right. I know. And he's saying this. I'm saying this all to you. And I would like, let's do this. All of you do this because we're going to be those type of people. Grab your die. Everyone grab your die. Because you are playing yourselves. You are Delilah. You are Amory. You are Sean. You're, you're, you're Deacon. And he's like, all right, I know this is a little weird. Okay. Um, but it actually is. It's in the rules. All right. Um, hold it up. Close your eyes. Sean, close your eyes. Don't freaking peek. Sean, I can see both of your eyes. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to see if else's eyes. This looks so cool. All right. Then I need everyone. We're going to count to three and then you're going to let go. Okay. Do we let go on three or is it one, two, three, and then let go a beat after? Let go when I say three. Okay. okay? Cool. Close your eyes. What the hell? Oh, right. <laughs> Like the simplest of rules. One, two, three. And so as all of you hear the dice hit the table, you you know, you expect to hear like the metal, it's, they're metal dice, they're heavy. And so you expect them to land on like the kind of four mica table. And there's some, there's some glasses and things around. There's half eaten gut buster. There's the pitcher of glass, uh, the glass pitcher of, of beer. There's coffee mugs, etc. As you hit the table, there's this resounding and terrifying, terrifying sound of uh, like a crash. Deacon, for a moment, like an image courses through <laughs> your, your your closed eyes of your father in the car accident. It's metal on metal. It's like this grinding metal on metal. And everything starts to shake, like everything. And it's not just like someone's like, you know, like drumming the table, but like the whole world starts to shake. Um. Do any of you like open your eyes yet? Yeah. I think yes. Sean would. All of yeah. you open Deacon up. Deacon would have opened yeah. eyes, yeah. Oh, yeah. You look around. There is, you don't see anything. It's just bright white light. Everything is just this bright, terrifying white light. Your eyes almost burn from having them open so, so much. After a moment, as that that grinding metal sound was just this cacophony the bright light is blinding you can barely hear you can barely see that metal on metal sound starts to fade the shaking settles and this bright white light starts to dim a little bit 
and you can see again, you can hear again. And when you look around, you are in your, you're, you're certainly in the diner. You are in mom's kitchen, but it doesn't take long for any of you. Deacon, you're very perceptive. So maybe you notice it first, but, but the rest of you like within a heartbeat after something is very wrong. There's just this perception. Amory, you probably can just feel it in some way. The light is too bright in here. Like the, the light coming from overhead, the light coming from behind the counter. You look out the window and the images, it almost looks like the rain, that, that sort of light rain slick parking lot. Like there's no motion at all out there. Like the raindrops are mid-flight right outside your window. There is a little... Was a little coursing of water as it dripped down the pane, and it's frozen. And the... as you're looking around, you notice as well that there are no other customers in here. Now there were it's, mom's kitchen has never really had many folks to begin with, but there were a couple folks when you came in here. A couple teenagers here, trucker there, that kind of thing. But you look around and you notice there are no other customers sitting at the tables or in the counters or any of the booths. And then you watch really strangely as like the servers and the cooks, like you can see them moving still. They're here, but all of them are moving backwards, like something out of Twin Peaks. They're just sort of moving slowly and sort of in some ways sort of shifting like really these in an angular fashion. You hear the sound of a tick as they do so. And as you, and you continue to look around, you hear like this tinny laughter, like all of you are taking, some of you are looking out the window, I'm presuming some of you are probably looking at these people that are walking past. Some of you are trying to see where the hell did everybody go? You hear this tinny laughter and you realize it's coming from your own booth and where Billy was sitting just a moment ago and he made sure he was sitting in between you all. He was at the perfect middle point of this booth and Two of you were on his right, two of you were on his left. And so as your heads turn, you now see a man uh, made of metal and rust and grayed skin. And you can see that part of that metal is actually moving and functioning. You can see that there are gears twisting and turning like these old, almost steampunk-like. Uh, you can see that there are these tubes that are moving here and there. Around, around this, this figure's head is something like these metal spikes sticking up, much like a crown. And it's an image that actually seems very, very familiar to you. But before you're able to kind of really say anything, that tinny voice speaks. You see this mouth move. You can hear the sound of like grinding metal as he does. And you just hear, it worked. I can't believe it worked. And then just like that, he disappears in front of you. There's this tuft of rust and shaved metal that just falls down onto the counter. It falls down onto the booth. And you all are standing there looking at each other. The three, the four of you are still here. The table has your food, has your drink, has wherever it is your dice fell on the table as well. And you're staring at each other. What do you do? The hell just happened? What drugs did we just take? I 
I was about to ask the same question. Did somebody lace the pitcher? Clearly. Listen, it was great seeing you all again. And you just, that's all he says. And then Deacon turns around and makes his way towards the diner door. <laughs> but feeling for the keys for his, for his car. You're, you have your keys in your pocket. They're there. You can see your car out in the, out in the parking lot. You go in, you reach the door. As you put your hand down on the door to, to push it open, the handle's not there. It is, you realize that your, your hand just pressed against a flat piece of glass or wall. And as you start moving your hand up and down, it, you realize it's just a flat wall. The dimensions of the handle, the door itself, the open side, it's all been painted on. It's this perfect, absolutely photorealistic depiction of what the door leading out from mom's kitchen and into the parking lot should look like. It's it's a push, not a pull, Deacon. John, you need to zip your gob, sunshine. The adults are thinking here. Oh, come on. Uh, where's the waiter? Let's... And you watch, and you can see them, but they don't stop by you. They They're just moving around, and every time they move, it's not fluid. It's like their arms are jerk, jerk jerk and it's always backwards every time you can see that there's two servers moving around uh, one of them is sort of was sort of doubling as a hostess when you came in and you can see through the opening uh in the restaurant there was a that there was a cook here as well deacon pulls out his phone and tries to to call a contact that he has still in the city you pull out your phone and there is no signal on it you don't see any wireless you don't see any uh, you know, it's any 5G or 4G, whatever year we're at. Nothing like that. All right. Somebody's screwing with us. Wait, what is it that he... you all do these days? Because days? somebody, I think you may be right, has laced, has dosed us. Yeah. So I know who I am, but I have no idea who you people are anymore. So why don't you come clean and explain what it is in your world? I don't have time for this. Into. You can uh, fucking. Uh, I'm he, gonna jump over the bench and check the back in the cook area. You go into the yeah. You you jump over. You knock some. Uh, you knock a few things around your table. No one stops you. You can just see all of them. All of the staff are moving in that 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 meandering in that specific pace. You look through into the. The kitchen area, you see there is one cook, and much like the two servers out here, they are shifting, moving, and kind of a backwards movement. Almost, they don't, they don't look like they're actually cooking anything, but they look like they're moving from station to station. You can grab one? Yeah, you go up. You f there's, only, there's only one cook back here, so if you go into the kitchen, you grab the cook, they are, and you, when you grab them, you realize they are metal. They are shifting and moving very jerkily. They are thick and they are heavy metal. And you realize they have been painted as well, like a perfect, near perfect painting. And as you grab them, kind of scrape away a tiny piece of metal and you see this, this little bit of uh, kind of chrome, like a kind of a slight metal, almost like, and it dawns on you in your head. Sometimes Billy would paint miniatures, these little metal miniatures that he would bring and he would place on the table and move around. And this, this little memory just inks its way into your brain. This, this is this is Billy's painting style. 
that 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 makes that makes no sense. Um, hold on. He was he was sitting right here. Let me okay. Let me sit right here and let me. There's a way to figure out what was going on. Is so Delilah's gonna like still there? You look around. Try to sit where Jan's he was. Bag is there. Jan's port bag is there. So smart, Delilah. Good thinking. So, so Delilah sit, moves over to kind of yeah. where he was sitting. So you sit where he's at. Nothing looks different necessarily. You just have a slightly different angle from it. You take a look at the Jansport bag. Um, do you pick it up? Uh, yeah, Delilah will sort of hand it to Sean. Oh, uh, thank you. And Deacon, you know what? Fair point. Uh, I am the man that you wish my characters would have been. Uh, not serving, little girl, no wife, and uh, playing it safe at a call center. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, so when you pick up and grab the bag you you bring it up maybe to the top of the table to flop it on top you can see like the some of the, the silver where it gets knocked you see a couple of the dice roll and shift as you slam it down you don't have to hit it too hard it dissolves into just this metal shavings this rust in front of you but you hear a sound something thump and you can see that what's what was once the bag has now dissolved into this kind of black brown stack of of metal rust and shavings and dust but you realize that there's something solid within it what's in there do you all, do you all see that do you all saw that what? okay you all what is it yeah i don't know let's you grab it pull it up and it is a very heavy, very ornate looking key, like geometric, strange angles on it. It doesn't look like anything anyone in the right mind would ever legitimately use in the world to open a door, but it's extremely heavy, but you can tell a key when you, it's like someone, it's like Pablo Picasso made a key and it's made of metal. I mean, maybe it's not push or pull. Here you go, Deacon. All right. I have no idea what's going on here, but let's let's work through the fiction then. There you, you go. Know, take the yeah. key from Sean and, and take it to the door and see if it unlocks the door. So you go over to the door on your way out, and you realize there's no like there's a there's a keyhole there, like underneath the bar, but it's small. And like your car keys, the keys that you have in your pocket, that's the size. This thing is much bigger. Like this thing is, is, has got a huge head at the very end. It's metallic. It's got all these, like a thousand little cuts, like intricate metal cuts to this thing. You can't see, like, there's just no way this is fitting. Like you, you, when you press it against it, you just feel the, the, the tang of metal, the pang of metal on metal as you ineffectually hit it against the wall. If this works in any lock, it's not this one. So, Amory, we need- you were Amory. You were always good with the puzzles when we had them in the game. What do you see? Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't. My brain doesn't work anymore. I'm just gonna end Amory with one arm. Just starts to shove all of the metal robots and try to just like take them down. Oh, 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 is it like one of those robots where there's the thing you put the key in the back and you twist it up? Maybe. You, you look down the back, nothing like that. You knock Shit. them over. 
You push, you knock them over, they slam, and you watch as one of their arms breaks off from the shoulder. You see a tiny little metallic pin like that was connecting the arm to the shoulder slot just detach, and you hear the sound of heavy metal just sliding across this linoleum floor. Amory, you were you were right. It's just like a miniature in the, the pin that puts it together. Uh, anybody lockpick? Uh, I work in advertising. No, I don't drug people. I don't pick locks. I think that used to be a person. Nah. <laughs> I'm going to go to the next one and throw it over. And the same, and it continues to happen. It's not always the arm. Sometimes it's the leg. Sometimes it breaks kind of in the middle of the elbow if it was like a specific form. And very much you're getting the feeling like, like I don't know how much Amory did this when she was younger, whether she pieced together and painted or whether, you know, but but you can tell, it almost looks like these are these are metal miniatures that have are, have very limited movement. And every time you knock them over, they don't shatter into like a thousand pieces, but they break apart at the joints at where they're connected every single time. Sean, are you still out in the main room? Yes. Sean, you hear a pounding, like this pound, pound. And it sounds like, it sounds, pound might, that might be an overstatement. It sounds more like someone's knocking. Like you hear like knocking, like, like knuckles on glass. Hello? Chad? No response. Hello? Billy? Maybe. Billy? Nevermore? Deacon, you hear the same kind of rapping start coming from the front door. You look through the door, it is empty. Like it, like the paint over top of this has painted a, a scenery that's perfect photographic, photorealistic view. You hear the knocking as if there's somebody on the other side of the door. Sean, you start realizing it's from the window where your corner booth is. Okay. Oh, it's, it's the window. I'm just going to go straight to the window. Okay. You know, just get my face right up to it. And as you get your face right up to it, almost like you're kind of looking out, you see a face just <laughs> suddenly appear. It is, you can see one half of it is look like this gray brown skin that has just been scraped and torn down. These huge fissures running through uh, the skin, the flesh. You can see Ooh. bone underneath. The eye is this milky discolored white. You can see the other half has this big metal plate and there's this little small movable part that seems to be twisting and turning inexplicably. It looks, their mouth opens and you see these sharpened black teeth. Um, and there's something about this, first of all, that is terrifying to look at. It looks mm. like something out of a horror movie. But on the other hand, as your eyes, as you start pulling back a bit, you get a slightly bigger view. And you see there's a letterman's jacket. It's tarnished. It's ripped up. And you can see that it looks exactly like the letterman's jacket that you have somewhere at home in your closet, tucked, in a, tucked underneath your bed. You see a name 
actually partially stenciled in. It's a name, Caleb. And you just hear, <laughs> and then in between that growl, they something else is just whispered to you. Something that makes you, like something from your past, something that just makes you, Sean, feel small and young and powerless. What is it that they say, Sean? Uh, uh, what is he? Young and weak and powerless. Don't matter. Um, I think Caleb did sign up. I think Caleb signed up, went overseas, and died in the war, and he calls me a coward. And he is now somehow inexplicably outside this diner, this painted diner window wall. As you lean back, you can see much like the stuff moving around in here, it's moving kind of a, he's moving in kind of a jerky fashion. And just like when you guys were kids and they would come around, Caleb, you see others start to start to show up behind him in the shadows. Deacon, you look out the front door and you can see there's more that are now showing up as well. They're just sort of almost like appearing somehow as if they're being painted in right now. And they all have the same Letterman's jackets that they had back when you guys were teens, back when Sean, Sean brought his friend Caleb, things went bad. He narked on you guys. And then just every weekend you would get harassed. You nerds for playing this silly game, for playing make-believe. And you can see that they're starting to, to amass out here. What the hell is outside? Uh, I don't know what Billy dosed us with. This can't, and none of this is real. Obviously, we just have to shake this off. This, no, no. That this is this is this is not that simple. This key goes somewhere, and so Deliza is looking for like a register or something that might go to a register. Does not not even close to being the right size. This is the absolute wrong size. Uh, Sean and Deacon, I'll say Delilah too, as all of you are in the front. I know Amory was last in the kitchen. All of you notice, by the way, as you're looking around, you're yelling at one another. You watch as either from the ground where they've been knocked down from Amory jumping or Sean like panic pulling back from the window or if they're still on top of the table itself. You see all of your dice have started to hover off the ground or off the table, three inches, four inches. You can see them spinning on their own. You can see the numberings themselves are kind of glowing in some way. What? What is going on? Oh, okay. This, what, what, what did Billy say? This is, and she's going to try to repeat what Billy said. So she's going to go grab the D8 and kind of say what okay. Billy had said. Nothing Why are you guys being this. so loud? Delilah, you grab your D8. Sean, are you grabbing your D6? Yeah, just there's nothing special about this. Everything's normal. Delilah, when you grab your D8, those of you that can see Delilah see a massive and sudden shift. As Delilah has faded away and in her place is a familiar character, one of the first characters you ever played, this long ongoing RPG you might have had when, when we were all young who do they see, Delilah? What does this change look like as your goth self gives way to this other person, this other entity? So what you see emerge is uh, 
the vigilant knight. So this is an individual, instead of kind of those baggy kind of clothes that she used to have, everything that she has is well-fitted and there's nothing loose. So this is not a knight with a cloak. This is a knight that just has kind of the leather pants, leather top. She any Anything that's laced is tucked in. Her head is shaved. She has no kind of hair flowing, no cloak flowing. Everything is very tight. Nothing is um, kind of not out of place. On her left arm, you see this very shiny metallic looking bracer that is kind of the top of her arm and the bottom of her arm. Um, and you see that she kind of almost immediately starts kind of looking in the reflective surface. Sean, as you grab your D6, the exact same thing happens to you as you undergo this immediate, this flamboyant, this bright and loud transformation into what, Sean, or who? What, is, what does Sean look like after he grabs his die? Um, Sean's going to very much go on the opposite side of the, the spectrum of what Delilah went with because it, it, like his character that he played in every single system you've ever played was Tristan Wade, gentleman adventurer. He stands about two inches taller than Sean actually does. He's got an outfit of nothing but garish extravagance. It's sea green with a purple high collar and a billowing cloak, a rapier at his side, and almost Final Fantasy style, like too many belts to the point they don't make sense, (laughs) with a a splash of 90s comics, Rob Liefeld with all the pouches, where he just has everything all the time on him. And just this giant ear-to-ear shit-eating grin and perfect coiffed hair with a little spit curl. So as Delilah, you shift, you turn, you see it happen. You see it happen to your to your friend. And as that happens in front of you, you see a very familiar character. Like you've you've played with these characters before. You've seen, you've heard, I mean, like you've not seen them necessarily, but you've heard their descriptions what they look like, you look at each other and you recognize the other person's role-playing game character. And Deacon, Ah, ah. you're out here, you watch it as well. You see this happen in front of you. You've gotta be. Amazing, yes. Deacon grabs the D4 and he's like, I don't know what the hell is going on here, but... Grab the D4 and right as your fingers... Right as your fingers wrap around the metal... We see a shift in Deacon, too. What does Deacon now look like? How does he change? So it's almost like all of the light around him starts to collapse in against his body. And he's still wearing this long black trench coat. But now you can't see anything underneath it, really. It's it's so black within his coat that you can't easily distinguish where the rest of his body is except for where his arms come out or his, his head's facing and his, his cloudy gray eyes. It's almost like something inside burns away and they turn yellow. And as he's looking around, but surprisingly the rest of him looks almost exactly like he looks in real life. Like there are very little physiological changes, but when he holds his hands up, all the fingertips down past the first and second knuckle on on all of his fingers are black, almost like they the tar has dripped down his fingers. 
and he's when he smiles at everybody it's it's the coldest smile you've ever seen and there is it doesn't come anywhere near his eyes but then black tears almost seem like they're forming in his eyes and they the shadows drop down his face into like a matching harlequin mask and he just looks at everybody and goes it's time for us to embrace what we really really are afraid of and dread the assassin who is the dictator steps onto the stage Amory, you knock over the last of the servers. They go shattering onto the ground, arm this way, foot that way, head tilts off. And you look over, and at some point in time while you were in the kitchen, while you were knocking all these different employees down, you look out, and apparently a cosplay convention has broken out. As you look what? over and you see familiar characters that you have you remember from your teenage years standing in front of you. Where'd you guys get costumes in this place? What do you mean costume? This is how Diala looks. What? I thought we were looking for a key hole. You've always been afraid to let go. It's time. Embrace that fear. Be free of it. Diala will point at the table. Your D12. Awesome. You have to try it. Your uh, D12 is four or five inches off the table, spinning, glowing. Uh, all right. Let's try this. You reach out. Back. <laughs> you grab it. And Amory goes under her own transformation. What happens? What, is, what does Amory look like? What does the transformation do? Uh, so Amory, as she holds this uh, D12 almost has this medieval cloak drape from somewhere starting kind of in her shoulders and all the way to the ground it's uh, sort of a dark green she's got suddenly this maroon um scarf that comes and almost becomes a cape in the back with uh with a hood that can come off her right arm which had been missing from the elbow down suddenly is just a bone hand uh, kind of filled in. You can see bits of green magic that uh, bleed and work as the joints uh, as, as her hand comes back and she's kind of amazed about it. Um, She has, you realize this bone white paint suddenly appear on her face with long dark hair and along it almost uh, Viking-like lines of red come down from her um, forehead to her chin and and red sort of uh, tear markers as well come down. And on her back, you see two giant uh, hammers um, that she will probably turn into scythes later. So as all four of you grab your dice, you turn and you shift into these things. You're looking at each other. Some of you fear, some of you excitement, some of you reluctance. The rapping gets louder and you see that there have been the amassing along the window and the door and like the tearing of paper, like when a character dies and you rip up their character sheet, you just see what was once this perfect photorealistic painting of a window through which inexplicably some cyber zombie was knocking on it. 
rips and wrenches free and usually stumbling in from the corner booth and from the entrance to the diner. These letterman jacket wearing cyber zombie tech monsters. And that I think is where we're going to go ahead and end for tonight. Uh, awesome. And pick up wow. on that next week. Hey, I'm very okay. pumped for this game. Okay. Totally. Me too. Me too. You gave me such a good, when you mentioned like, Oh, they came to pick on us and stuff. I'm like, that was, thank you for teeing that up. I don't know if you knew what you were doing, but you just teed that up for me so easily. That was great. It was perfect. Okay. We went along. I apologize. I wanted to, to make sure we got to introduce our paragons before we, we checked out uh, for the night, but we will be back with session two. I have tons of ammunition now that I can use. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, and we will catch up Evan on his, uh, on, and, and we'll see exactly where chat is. Cause I do have a couple ideas for how chat's going to come into here. Uh, why don't we get on out of here? Uh, let's do a quick round of plugs. Aaron, you got anything for Garblag you want to mention? Uh, Tuesday, Coriolis with Millie at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And Thursday, uh, Pete will be back with more Traveler. Fantastic. Uh, Jeremy, you want to drop a plug for this Patreon? Sure, Aaron reads on Patreon, comics, maps, tokens, other fun stuff. Check it out. All right, perfect. Uh, as for the rest of us here at Lolly Gaggers, uh, we are going to, what's our next game? Tomorrow night, we're going to be playing more Black Sword Hack because Steven's afraid of Aaron and is running away. Sure. He doesn't That's a reasonable to, thing, too. Does, I agree. Doesn't want to die for this character in Conan, so he's skipping it entirely. And the rest of us are going to play some Black Sword Hack instead. Uh, so come hang out with us. Uh, then Saturday, we're doing our One Ring thing as per usual. Monday, we're back to Holler. You'll see Jeremy, Melissa, and I in that one. Uh, Tuesday, Stephen will suddenly grow a spine and decide he wants to run Forbidden <laughs> Lands. You can see all of us here, with the exception of Jeremy. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, go ahead and, uh, go ahead, follow the channel if you haven't already done so. If you're watching this later on YouTube, please subscribe. we got all sorts of games over on the Adventures and Lollygagging YouTube. Uh, we just started up a Delta Green campaign, uh, last week. Very excited about it. we got a Call of Cthulhu horror on the Internet Express campaign going on. Mentioned Forbidden Lands already. Uh, and we've got some other cool things coming down the pike still as well. So thank you to everyone who hung out tonight and watched. Thank you to those of you who threw out some bits at the beginning. Thank you for the raid from 20 sides to every story. Uh, let's go ahead and uh pay it forward i'll do a little raid and then we'll get out of here uh for uh, for the night so uh, i'm gonna go ahead and put it on the end screen raid will pop up follow it and we'll see y'all later bye bye <laughs>